This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. The wait is over, finally. I can say game on tonight. Let's drop the puck. It's a game day edition of WST before the Jets play game number one of 82 tonight down in Southern California at the Honda Center against the Anaheim Ducks with a full roster minus the Jets' number one center, Mark Scheifele. But lots of excitement about the game. Cole Perfetti will make his National Hockey League debut tonight for the Winnipeg Jets. We'll get to all of that. Some player moves today by Winnipeg. Take a look at the lines. See what the home team has for the Winnipeg Jets. And we'll also discuss opening night in the National Hockey League and some of the big stories around Canada and the league with Dave Pagnotta from the fourth period. And then our pal Ted Wyman from the Winnipeg Sun will come in. And uh, before we drop the puck on the season, get his thoughts on the upcoming campaign for the Winnipeg Jets, training camp so far, and how the team looks like going into tonight's game number one. As always, we can't do this without the incredible support of our sponsors. A big WST thank you to our friends at Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Princess Auto, Little Brown Jug, Boston Pizza, Not Auto Corp, Canadian Club Whiskey, and of course our friends over at the four Nick and Nikki Dairy Queen locations here in Manitoba, uh, in Southern Manitoba, and of course here in Winnipeg, and of course our betting partner, Cool Bet Canada. Uh, two games last night, some more this evening, and a big soccer game as well, which I'll certainly touch on. We'll get to the Bombers and more over the course of the next couple hours. Let's get the CTO in here. Remus, what is going on, my friend? You ready to drop the puck and watch some hockey tonight? I am so ready here. Uh, I'm already starting looking at DraftKings salaries. I know last night was the, was the um, you know, opener with the two games. You know, great to see Seattle. They're looking great on the ice. I love those jerseys. But, I mean, this is the real opener, especially for Jets fans here. I mean, come on. Uh, Jets, Ducks. Uh, real exciting stuff. So I'm uh, I'm pretty pumped up here. Yes, I mean, as am I. Uh, did Did you watch the games last night? Did you uh, Did you get a little taste of the NHL season with just the two games last night, or were you uh, were you saving it for uh, a more thorough experience following our own team tonight at nine p.m.? That's a great question. I was actually playing my own hockey, and um, so I missed the Lightning Penguins. I was shocked, uh, Hus. That the Penguins and we're like, who you look at this roster, you're like, who are these guys? And they don't have Gensel, they don't have Crosby, they don't have Malkin. And uh, you figure Tampa on home ice celebrating the cup win from last year. What a and, dud they had. Uh, yeah. And lay an egg. I, it's the pregame ceremony, Huss. I think we've had that theory where you have a long pregame ceremony. Uh, there's big, big egg being laid. But I did, uh, I did tune in. I will say this I watched the, I was watching a bit of the Knights. Seattle Kraken game. That's going to take some time to get used to saying. But their Kraken's first goal, I don't know if it was just me. I was like, is that not the same first goal that Nick Antropov scored I, for the that's Jets? That's the exact same thing. <laughs> I was like, am I the only one thinking this? Okay, I'm glad I'm not. That but is so funny. <laughs> I was like, was this is the same goal? Um, what? A shot from the point, guy in front, like falling over, bangs in a rebound. After the team's getting like dominated too, 
And, and you know what? I'm not sure exactly. Like, I'll have to remember. Maybe someone wants to check the score sheet as to what the score in the game was in Montreal, Winnipeg, when Antropov scored. The Jets were definitely down. I can't remember whether it was 2 nothing or 3 nothing. But that is hilarious. You mentioned that. And we did not talk about this off air beforehand. I thought the exact same thing. What a memorable goal. Um, and, of course, Ryan Donato got in. I will say this. I think I, I, it can't help but kind of be a fan. I think there'll be a lot of people that, you know, will really enjoy cracking games. I can't wait to see what their Climate Pledge Arena looks like and what that home crowd is going to be when they actually get home and do it. But, you know, the nature of expansion teams where you have players from pretty much every NHL team, I think has a bit of a connection for fans of other clubs to that team. And I'm sure let us know in the comments. I, I was sitting there pulling for Mason Appleton last night, really excited about what he's going to be able to do with probably some real significant opportunity for Dave Haxtell and the expansion team. And of course, Brandon Tanev, who is still a bit of a folk hero in Winnipeg, um, signed with Pittsburgh, now is a member of the Kraken. Uh, he's got his crazy headshots. Uh, the hair is flowing, but he's still the Tasmanian devil that we remembered coming to proven prominence here with Cop and Lowry on the uh, the TLC line. Um, so they're going to be a fun team to watch this year. And I think that for Jet fans, especially with a couple former Jets playing pretty prominent roles on the club this year, they'll be, uh, they'll be a popular club outside of the home team, I think, for casual fans when they're on the tube this season. I think they're the new team. They're hot. They got a cool name, cool jerseys. I think their jerseys and branding is all well done. I just remember, like, even when the... I see, I go back old, Huss. I'm sure you do, too. <laughs> but, uh... Like when the yeah, Ducks and so ancient. I'm so ancient, but when the Ducks and the Panthers came into the league, I remember all my friends were playing NHL '94, and everyone wanted to be the Ducks. Like, who cares that their best player was like Terry Yake and Bob Holder? <laughs> but but they they were the Ducks, and same with the Panthers too. They had a cool logo. They were the new team, so I think you're gonna get some of that uh, with the Kraken as well. I know their jerseys are flying off the shelves in Seattle. Seems to be doing even better than, than the Golden Everywhere. Knights. I want. Yeah. I need a Kraken hat. The Kraken, the Kraken unis are absolutely fire. I, I, I have to say. I mean, I, I love the color scheme that they have. I think the logo is so cool. Hell, I think that the uh, what is it? The Trident logo that they have with the space needle in it too is one of the coolest logos that I've seen. So um, we'll see what happens on the ice with the team. But I think off the ice, they have nailed it. Um, they've made some great hires. I think they've done phenomenal marketing. Certainly the imaging and branding of the team is great. Uh, but that only takes you so far until you lose 10 in a row. People are calling for the coach's head. Um, but I think as we've seen, this isn't like expansion teams in the past. Both, well, Vegas, obviously, and I think Seattle. In some ways, you get what you pay for. And I mean, they are spending record amounts of money to enter the National Hockey League. And I know it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, but, you know, they they got something for that. And it was a much more favorable and advantageous um, expansion situation when it came to the players that they were coming in, uh, that they were going to be able to get. So um, I still think that Vegas did a way better job of weaponizing what they had at the expansion draft. You know, that's the one thing, Remo, we, we talk so much about all those deals and things that went into the draft. And none of it really, none of it really materialized. And then the other thing was, well, they're going to have all this cap space that they can weaponize and make deals. 
I have a feeling, I think they got screwed a little bit by the success of the Vegas Golden Knights because it was pretty clear that the rest of the National Hockey League didn't really want to play with the Kraken. And, you know, they essentially had to go and use some of that cap space on free agents, guys like Philip Grubauer, who will be the guy carrying the mail along with Manitoba's Chris Dreger for most of the time in the net this season. Yeah, we'll see how it works out. I think they made... You know, if you teams don't want to trade with you for picks, then take a player and and trade them. Like, I mean, there were good players that didn't get picked, and they picked some players where you're like, who? And like, you don't think if they would have picked like Max Domi, um, someone would have traded like something for him instead of picking the guy who they took from Columbus, who no one had heard of. So uh, there were a couple, I think, questionable moves. We'll see how it works out for them. I like some of their players. They did make a couple signings, but. Uh, it was, yeah, I, there wasn't even their home opener. I know they were missing some dudes uh, yesterday. So hopefully they're back for, for the home and everything's good with them. Hey, what about the ESPN coverage last night? Can we talk about that for a second before we dive headfirst into all the Jets news? Mm-hmm. Um, Bo- my man, Bucci Maine, John Bucci Gross, doing the play-by-play last night. And... I, I, uh, first things first, I will admit, I'm a huge Booch fan. I've always loved his work on SportsCenter. He has been a massive proponent of hockey, of the National Hockey League during the ESPN dark era where they never seem to want to talk about it. So he's definitely a logical guy to get to do it. But he is a quirky dude. I mean, I believe the second, the goal call on the second or third Kraken goal was uh, holy shnikes. Is that what um, he said? Yeah, like exactly. like Chris Farley. I mean, I mean I, I'm not you're not going to get any criticism from me on that. Um, well, uh, the reason I bring it up is because I'm here for it. I love to have a different voice. I love to hear people have fun and do things a little differently and do it their way. But just knowing how the quote unquote hockey purists and the gatekeepers of the game react to literally anything that's new and different. I hadn't spent a lot of time online last night, so I wasn't really paying attention to what the reaction was. But I hope people will give Bucci a chance and some of the new things that they're doing. Um, the one thing that I did notice, there's some really cool new camera angles. Um, it, it, it looked like a different production so far. So can't wait to see that. And I guess we're going to get to see, I did see today on Twitter, Remo, a picture of Rick Tockett running a treadmill with the TNT team. Uh, Biz Nasty was beside him and Biz had like a massive afro. If you've seen any of the videos videos recently through the summer, he had a little helmet reduction. The hair's looking tight. He was on the treadmill as well. And they're looking forward to it. So yeah, I guess we're going to see Gretzky. Yes. Uh, talk it biz all part of these new groups so uh i'll tell you what i think for a for a viewer especially someone that you know consumes a lot of out, out of market games or on the nhl center ice package uh, i think it's an exciting time for hockey fans as far as what we're going to be getting served on a nightly basis from the new partners south of the border uh but the bottom line right now is reem i mean if you're a winnipeg jet fan or really any team this is a great time of year. You're just about to embark on the long journey that is 82 games for a spot in the Stanley Cup tournament. And uh, certainly around these parts, there is a lot of excitement about what this team could be able to do when things get going tonight. Yeah, and just back, you know, I know a lot of people were harping on ESPN for putting the Vegas abbreviation to VGS instead of VGK. <laughs> so that was people- Friedman. I saw people being upset, yeah, that he was in charge. I, I get upset at that, too, when he, he was calling. It's funny. He tweeted out today, when WIN agrees to a deal with Evgeny Svechnikov, woke up to that. And it's not when. I know it's WPG. Everyone everyone knows that. I think he's just 
Is he intentionally getting it wrong? Yes. Or yes. Just piss he everyone literally off? does that. That is Elliot Friedman's way of trolling. I think people. it's and I get anxiety it, sometimes looking at his ridiculous. Uh, and I don't get anxious about very many things, but for some reason, when I see his bastardized abbreviations, uh, it, it it drives me nuts. To be honest, and he knows that, and he leans into it. In a big, big way. Um, anyways, enough about that. Well, speaking of Win being on Elliot Friedman tweets, there was a couple moves today. We spent quite a bit of time yesterday talking about the opening day roster, which was set yesterday, which had Cole Perfetti on it and had Billy Hainel on it. We kind of talked about it, and I'll give Murad a lot of credit. Um, he has a great piece over the course of the weekend about what the Jets were dealing with to get to that final roster, what they were trying to accomplish when it came to as someone in the chat yesterday referred to as the salary cap gymnastics to put themselves in the best possible spot going forward, which is what they needed to do, get as close to the cap as possible without going over, not including Brian Little's LTIR. And the youngsters, Hanela and Perfetti, also allowed them to establish a performance bonus pool that will help them going forward. There was no guarantees that either of them would be in the lineup tonight. One of them will be, one of them won't. We mentioned yesterday Cole Perfetti got the call. He is going to be in today. And this could very well be a, a one-game promotion, if you will, while Mark Shifley's out. Oh, we'll see what happens tonight, and we'll hear what the coach has to say after the game and tomorrow and Friday. Um, but Perfetti is in. It should come as no surprise to anyone that Billy Hainel was officially signed to the, uh, assigned to the Manitoba Moose today. I mean, the writing was on the wall for this throughout Craney Camp. We've spoke about it a million times. The Jets' top six is essentially set. I mean, you've got Morrissey and Schmidt, you got Dylan and Neil Pionk and Brendan uh, and Dylan DeMello playing alongside Logan Stanley. There's your top six. Nate Bull used the seventh defenseman, be a good guy in the room, be a good guy in the press box. He will be the extra player that can come in on spot duty. But if there isn't a regular shift and there isn't playing time for Billy Hainel right now with the Winnipeg Jets, it makes no sense to have him in the press box with Beaulieu. It makes a lot of sense for him to be playing on what looks like a pretty stacked Manitoba blue line for Mark Morrison going forward. So, Remo, this was the other shoe dropping today that Billy Hainel was going down. But part of the reason why they did need to send him down, I think they wanted to because they wanted to play First and foremost, the other thing is that Evgeny Svechnikov, who was not on yesterday's roster, we mentioned may sign a contract after day one of the season. That's exactly what happened. A one-year, two-way deal, league minimum, whatever, 750 k um, but the young man, the former first rounder, has earned himself another chance with this Jets organization based on a strong camp, and it looks like he'll be in the lineup tonight playing on that fourth line. Yeah, I think what whatever Ken had the lines as yesterday, and I'll just pull it up uh, right here real quick. Yeah, Connor, Stasny, Wheeler, Hop, Dubois, Ehlers, Harkins, Lowry, Perfetti, Veselainen, Nash, Svechnikov. And we talked about this yesterday, how Veselainen had, you know, started on the third line and kind of didn't, didn't really show that well in uh, training camp. And it kind of was starting to remind me Hus, of a former Finnish first-round pick who also played for the Jets and Yoel Armia, a guy who maybe came up as a scorer and you know kind of found his niche with the Jets on the third line, now fourth. But there he was, made a great impact with Montreal last year in their playoff run. You know maybe that's the career path we're looking at for Veselainen rather than the what left-handed 
line A that we that we <laughs> that we were thinking when we looked at the highlights all, of his one time. All fins are that yeah. good. All fins are that good that can do that. Yeah. I, I'll just say this. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, he did have a pretty good opportunity to get into that third line position, and he's not in it in game number one. So hmm. take that for what it's worth. But I will say this. None of that really means a damn thing once they drop the puck tonight. I mean, if he goes out and plays his ass off and, you know, does very well in the role that he's given, he'll have the opportunity to earn, you know, more playing time from the coach or, you know, maybe in, uh, move up to that third line. But as as it stands right now, I don't know, it's pretty hard to make an argument that Jansen Harkins doesn't deserve to be there. And Perfetti, for his part, you know, with Stastny moving up from that line to take Mark Shifley's spot, perfect opportunity to get him in a game on opening night. I mean, even if the plan isn't to have him with the team beyond the weekend, you know, once the moose get going, um, I think it's just important experience for him. I think he's a young man that has earned the spot and, you know, stranger things have happened. Remus, I know many of myself included expect Cole Perfetti to be back with the moose relatively soon and at least play the first portion of the season, you know, with Manitoba barring injury up with the big club, but there's no guarantees on that. And um, I'll tell you what, if he goes out and shows that he belongs, has a real strong game, he'll probably have an opportunity to earn another game or two in the lineup. And then you see what happens. So um, I think there's some real intrigue about Perfetti's poor performance in particular when we focus in on him making his debut tonight. Um, but this is about the team right now. And I got to tell you, I mean, really dating back to 17-18 and the team we thought we were going to see for the full 18-19 season, um, this is as talented as team as we've had, certainly as deep a blue line as they've had since that run to the Western Conference Final, uh, as well as some younger players like Shifley, well, particularly Nikolai Ehlers, kind of really coming into their own, as uh, especially Ehlers as stars in the league right now. And uh, that's a big reason why I know so many people in the chat are chomping at the bit, going to have a little pregame nap tonight because uh, no one's going to want to miss the full three periods of action once we get going at 9 o'clock tonight from Honda Center. Yeah, I forget where it was. Someone's writing, I'm going to have uh, spaghetti for dinner in honor of Cole Perfetti. Um, <laughs> as far as Hainala goes, I mean, I think his NHL playing days were numbered from the, you know, once they got, you know, sorry, he wasn't, didn't have as much of a shot at playing in the NHL once they acquired Dylan and Schmidt and Logan Stanley solidified himself in, in there. So that wasn't much of a surprise. Uh, you know, he made the opening day roster because, I guess, to get the performance bonus pool going and Murat put that in detail and explained very well at the athletic uh Cole Perfetti I kind of thought maybe they'd give him the first game just as a you know as, I don't want to say as a carrot but as like hey you know you did a great job last year you've done a great job but I think if he plays well let's say they've got on the board I don't know how you take him out I mean I you look at offensive options there on the third line now with Appleton moving on Perfetti could take that spot and maybe he is ready he, he played great for the Moose last year Give him a shot, give him a couple games and see. And I think if even if he goes down to the moose, it's likely that he would come back again at some point. I know mm. I know yesterday in my fantasy league, someone scooped him up right away once they sit once it came out that he was gonna play playing on the third line. So uh I think that's gonna be a player to watch. And I don't think they're they should be afraid of, you know, burning his first level of his or first year of his contract by playing him more than nine games if he's clearly ready for the NHL, because again, they need to win and you need players who can help you win and who can score goals. And I think he seems like the best scoring option as far as who's available. I mean, we'll see what happens when Shafley comes back and guys uh, move down, but uh, I mean, give the guy a shot and game one. Let's see how it goes. 
Uh, exactly. And again, everyone's healthy right now, and that probably won't be the case throughout the season. So, um, you know, it, you know, we should maybe do an over-under on how many games. Does Cole Perfetti get in more than 25 games this season in the regular season? Yeah, I'll tell you what, I think that he's definitely going to be a part of a, a playoff roster if the team does make it to that point. Um, but again, you know, we'll see what happens. It all starts tonight with game number one. Hey, far away from Anaheim tonight, frankly, other side of the world dream, is a, uh, a Jet draft pick that is turning some heads at far earlier than I think anyone could have expected. I know you tweeted this out, but what is it? Another two goals for Jets fifth rounder Dmitry Ryshevsky today in the KHL? Yeah, he's picked in the fifth round in this year's draft, and I just keep seeing every day on my Twitter tweet tweeting out highlights of this guy's goals. Um, let me. I'm trying to find my mouse here. It seems to has disappeared. That's that's fantastic. Uh, How do you he, lose your mouse? I don't know. The cursor is go- the cursor is gone. The cursor. Okay, it came back. The cur- it happened once before. Um, Cam Robinson of what Elite Prospects? He says. Two goals, 11 goals, 16 points in 17 games. He's among top 10 in league scores in the KHL. He's a fifth-round pick for the Jets, who maybe was not on our radar, but I keep seeing him every day on Twitter scoring goals, so this is a guy we're going to watch out for. I don't know I don't know if he's going to be an impact this year, but uh, certainly in the future. Well, it won't be this year, and it won't be next year, because he actually just signed an extension um, in the KHL for another year. So, uh, But I'll tell you what, if he's playing at that level, uh, maybe the Jets got a, a a nice little find there in the fifth round that you usually can't count on. All right, we'll focus in specifically on the Jets with Ted Wyman a little bit later on. Coming up, Dave Pagnotta from the fourth period. Going to hit all the big stories coming out of NHL opening night. We'll ask him about the Canadian team's thoughts on the Jets and more. Uh, just before we do that, a big thanks to our newest sponsor, Culligan Water, over at 1200 Sergeant Avenue, 694-5180. The Culligan folks, family-owned and celebrating 65 years as the go-to people for all things water here in Winnipeg. They got water softers and filters, whole home systems, drinking water systems, bottled water coolers, and bottle-free coolers for you and your family, not to mention water delivery services citywide as well as commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Water's important. you got to stay hydrated. Do it with the best and the best service from people that have been doing it in Winnipeg for 65 years. Culligan Water, 1200 Sergeant. Find out more at drinkculligan.com. And don't forget, up until Friday, they've got that special any home equipment system, just $9.99 a month for three months right now. Give them a call at 694-5180 and find out more. Um, winter is just around the corner. We're dropping the puck on the hockey season tonight. That means there will be some cold weather. Don't be that guy that waits till it's minus 30 to realize, damn, I need a new battery. Give Donnie and the guys a call at Manitoba Battery for all of your battery needs. Not just for cars, batteries for literally everything. Automotive, industrial, farm, power sports, quads, sedus, sleds. MetaChair batteries, they've got it all, not to mention a maintainer on the fall special right now to keep your summer car and boat smooth through the winter so it's turnkey and good to go come in the spring. Uh, They've got the best prices in town, save you money from going somewhere to like Costco, and they'll deliver it anywhere citywide. Find out more at Manitoba Battery, 1026 Logan, 783-8787 or online at manitobabattery.com. And uh, before we bring Dave in, 
Uh, we'll be talking about the Jets, Habs, Leafs, Oilers, uh, whatever your team is. Royal Sports has you covered. The best selection of licensed NHL merchandise in town. And dare I say, maybe anywhere. Um, if you're looking for a new Jet jersey, Royal's the spot. You need some new bomber gear for the upcoming games, Royal's the spot. And if you are a hockey player, you already know that they've been the kingpins of all things hockey on and off the ice for over 35 years. Follow on Instagram at Royal Sports Pembina or pop by and see them at the Superstore 750 Pembina Highway along with Kings, Skate, Snow and Surf. And don't forget those Blake Wheeler Special Edition New Era hats are in at Royal Sports. All proceeds going to Cancer Care Manitoba. Awesome collab with the captain of the Winnipeg Jets. All right, let's drop the puck on the season and welcome back to Winnipeg Sports Talk, Dave Pagnotta of the fourth period. Dave, how are you, my friend? We made it through the preseason. We finally have live bullets in the holster last night and tonight for the Winnipeg Jets. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm jacked. I'm excited. It's a full 82-game season, so I'm I'm geared up. I'm ready to go. I'm excited and uh Last night, I guess we got one out of two really exciting games. So not bad. Not bad. Decent start. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. It was nice. That was just a little bit of an appetizer. You know, you have two right. games, you have the new team play a game, and then we get into a pretty nice schedule for the next couple of days and obviously the first full weekend uh, of it. Let me just ask you what you thought about last night. Let's start off with the uh, first game of the entire season, the Tampa Bay Lightning raising the banner and then throwing a bit of a dud out and getting rent. Now, this final score maybe is not exactly descriptive of the game, considering John Cooper just kept on pulling the goalie, regardless of how many times it went in the empty net. But I got to tell you, for a team without Sidney Crosby, without Evgeny Malkin, that was a huge underdog on the road. That was not a result that I expected to see. And I have a feeling John Cooper, the Lightning, and their fans in that building didn't expect it either. No, exactly. And that's probably why he pulled the goalie, just to send a message to the group being like, okay, well, guess what? It's a new season. We had won the cup twice. It's a new year. We got to win it all over again. So we can't take your foot off the gas, even in game one, which they obviously did. I mean, I don't even think they were in the car uh, to, to get that game going. So that, that was a rough one, obviously, for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, but, you know, better to get that out of the way now than down the road. And obviously this team – you know, certainly has the pedigree and the pieces to win. Uh, but again, just a, a little reminder, a little kick in the pants that uh, any team can beat you on any night, even if their star guys are out of the lineup. So a rough one. Yeah, it was 6-2, but it was really 3 nothing. And then, you know, they pulled their goalie, they got one. But this, this, was, this was a solid performance, an excellent road game for the Pittsburgh Penguins to start their year and build a little confidence up for them as well. Because a lot of people were questioning whether or not they'd be a playoff contender without Sid and uh, to start and obviously without Gino Malkin for uh, what appears to be a few months. Yeah. Um, you know, I can't move on from the Penguins without mentioning Brian Boyle. Um, you know, he yeah. had it got emotional in that interview with Emily, Emily Kaplan on the side. Um, it really, maybe if you can't fill our listeners in on the story of him coming back to the national hockey league, because he didn't retire. He just didn't have a job last year. And uh, yet here yeah. he is uh, playing and scoring in its first game with the Penguins without their top two stars. Yeah, well, that's exactly it. I mean, you know, with with him not getting a job last season, he he wanted to continue playing. He stayed in shape throughout the course of last season and this offseason, wanting to prove that he's still an NHL caliber player. And obviously with everything going on, uh, you know, that, that we've all dealt with over these last couple of years, 
um, with, with his family situation and everything. He just wasn't able to get a home that worked for him. So he comes in, earns a spot in training camp on a, on a professional tryout. And again, just bringing that heart and soul mentality uh, and that, that, that strong performance day in and day out to the lineup for the Pittsburgh Penguins. They need that extra veteran presence and a guy that's a big body that isn't afraid to use it. He brings that and obviously you know, certainly paid off in game one. Now you don't want to read too much into game one, not just with him, with, but with anybody. Um, but, you know, if, if he's the kind of guy that's going to be able to step up when it counts, especially in the room, just helping motivate the other guys, he's the type of guy to do it. He's a great guy. I've had the opportunity to meet him and hang out with him a bunch of times off the ice. Great family, great parents, great group all together. So uh, this was a strong ad for Pittsburgh, and he earned it. Well, uh, the late game was Vegas and Seattle, uh, the final two members of the National Hockey League. Uh, we all remember Vegas's magical first year, and I think that's cranked the expectations far higher than anyone would oh, yeah. normally have for an expansion team for the Kraken. I think it's been a little more tough sledding dealing with the rest of the National Hockey League and general managers for Ron Francis. But yet, there they are, have a team, and it was a fun, fun game. Uh, got down early, came back into it. What were your... Uh, First impressions in the inaugural game for the NHL's newest team, the Seattle Kraken. Yeah, you saw the nerves in the first period from that group, especially in that four or five minute span or whatever it was where they they gave up a couple goals and not nerves because obviously these guys are proven NHL players, but just getting out there and being able to, you know, put those those uh, the chirps and everything aside and all the expectations aside too, just wanting to hit the ice with the new club and to have a good showing. Vegas won their first NHL game a number of years ago. I think they were in Dallas or Chicago, might be Dallas, uh, but they won their first game. Seattle wanting to obviously do the same. Now they came short, but once they got through 20 minutes, they really started to hunker down, play better responsibly, uh, be better defensively. They were able to help out Grubauer a little bit and they got the offense going and they were creating opportunities. This is going to be another pesky team that is built from the crease outwards, as we all know, Grubauer and that strong defense, which still seems to me they got too many defensemen back there, so I'm wondering what they're going to do with that. Uh, but how they're going to uh, utilize that strength and then see if they can find some guys up front that can either regain some offensive flair or uh, create some of their own that they weren't able to do on some of their other teams uh, to this point. I, I am I'm really looking forward to seeing what that home opener is like at the Climate yeah. Pledge Arena. I mean, from all accounts, David, I know you've been talking to people around the league, but as well as in that market, um, the anticipation for the National Hockey League in Seattle at that new Climate Pledge Arena, it, it really is something. And I think everyone's got different expectations of what this team will be on the ice. I can tell you off the ice, it seems it's already been an absolute success. And we're going to see that when they fill that building for game one. Oh, absolutely. I was in Seattle for the expansion draft. I saw it firsthand and not just the people that came out to the draft itself, but the atmosphere that that city had and the passion that was already there from hockey fans and the excitement level. There's merch everywhere. There's people that were, you know, wearing different types of uh, cracking gear and, uh, you know, some of the not knockoff, but some of the non-official stuff that, that people were doing and all that stuff. So there was, there's a lot of excitement there. And I didn't get to check out the building because they were, it's still under construction or it was at the time in July, but this, this, the, the, the excitement level there is, is amped. I'm going to be, uh, going to the opener in a couple of weeks and, and just looking forward to that and seeing that ex or getting that experience and seeing the atmosphere now that we're at game time, uh, now that it, it really matters. So in a couple of weeks, 
uh, that that will be the case. And I think it's on the 23rd, but um, that city is is pumped for it. And the league is too. to have the 32nd franchise. It's now official that they're part of the league. I mean, this this will play a factor too. The HRR is going to start kicking in as well. So the league's excited about that. And look, they already set a record for merchandise sales in the first month or the first two months, or I think they're continuing it. And this is not just in the NHL. This is of all the sports with Fanatics. So it's a good sign, a huge good uh, sign and a good one for the league. Uh, Dave Padnot is our guest. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at The Fourth Period and check out the website, The Fourth Period. Let's uh, move north of the border, Dave. We had the fun year, the Canadian division. Um, everyone's <laughs> back in the regular spots last year. I want to ask you about a few of the top stories around Canada. And let's start in the nation's capital. I mean, there is one remaining RFA unsigned, and it's Brady Kachuk. And Listen, as a Winnipeg dude that grew up and saw one of the most contentious contract negotiations in 1.0 history with Keith Kachuk signing the offer sheet, seeing the way Matthew Kachuk and his representatives were able to get the deal they got with Calgary, I don't think anyone expected it to be easy, but, but man, going into the season without their most important player, a huge blow for Ottawa. What are you hearing about Kachuk, the situation, and uh, is there a resolution in sight? And if it is, how does it work? Uh, I mean, one side has to bend. It's it's really that simple. The Senators want the long-term commitment. Kachuk's side has been pushing on the short-term deal, the bridge-type deal. And and this isn't to say that he doesn't want to be there. I mean, I can tell you genuinely, he loves the market. I've, I've had a chance to talk to him a number of times away from the rink about it. He loves the market. He loves the city. He loves what they've been building in Ottawa. And and that's a that's a 180 from how he originally felt when he was drafted. He wasn't too fond of going to Ottawa, but that has I mean everything that they're piecing together has changed the mindset. They know Kachuk's camp that bonuses are not on the table. The Sens don't give him out. Shabbat's eight year, sixty four million dollar deal, no bonuses. Uh, the six year deal for Batherson, no bonuses. So they've accepted that. But it's now about term and how that structure is going to come into play. And they just haven't been able to agree on that. And they were working. It sounded like last month they were finally getting towards that long-term deal. And then just something kind of fell apart. I got to assume it's the overall number, uh, which is why Kachuk's camp reverted back to a shorter-term three-year deal, two two or three years. And that's where we're at. I mean, it's it's really going to come down to who's going to budge. And, and the lack of urgency isn't necessarily a bad thing because the Sens are still rebuilding or still going through that process. They're ready to take the next steps. They have a ton of cap space. So whatever the cap number is going to be when he signs in season, and it's obviously going to be, you know, if it's 8 million bucks, well, it's going to be adjusted based on how far we are into the season. But that doesn't matter to the sense. They've got the most cap space in the league. So that's not a factor. It really is coming down to who's going to get the best deal. And really, it's either short-term or long-term unless one of the sides budgets. Yeah, I mean, I've spent a lot of time doing shows with the guys in Calgary over the last few months. And one of the things that has always been in the background is that Matthew Kachuk has a $9 million uh, option going on and go to free agency. Yeah. And that, I think Ottawa is watching that and does not want to be in that situation. And that is sort of how we got to the spot we're in. Uh, no such issue for Nick Suzuki in Montreal. Yeah. Um, an eight-year extension just south of $8 million dollars. This is about as early as you will see anybody get an eight-year extension. How much does this have to do with what happened with their budding rivalry with the Canes and the matching offer sheets and all that, Dave? Uh, and just thoughts on uh, the deal. A very important young player for Montreal getting inked uh, to the max. Yeah, the offer sheet threat definitely escalated things. Um, because you look at Montreal's cap numbers, they're 
over the cap next season. And of course, you know, we assume Shea Weber's career is unfortunately done. If that is the case, they've got that flexibility. Um, but they're over the cap for next season as it currently stands. So even with now Suzuki locked in. So, so they wanted to avoid that. But this is a very important player, as you said. I mean, this is a guy that they feel is going to be one of the top two-way centers in the league. Now, he draws comparisons to some of the top guys out there in terms of how he's playing. Patrice Bergeron is the obvious one. But there's some back, uh, some, some excuse me, some Barkov and and some Kopitar there, but not as offensive as those two particular guys. So Montreal loves the fact that they were able to get this done. They're comfortable with the number. They feel that if he can hit 60 points, maybe 70 sometime this season, then that will put him on the trajectory of being that eight million or near eight million dollar player. So they they bought in a little bit on the potential. But they feel, and, and the people that I've talked to there, that he's going to hit that and exceed that. So they're comfortable with that deal from a long-term side of things. And obviously, Suzuki, pretty happy about that deal. It was a comment he made, uh, something about playing uh, NHL yeah. out or to whatever it was and, and giving him whatever contract he wanted. <laughs> he says, oh, I was yeah. to give myself. didn't start anything. with that in the negotiation. Yeah, yeah exactly, <laughs> exactly. Hey, before we head out west, uh, what's the latest on Matthews? And uh, we know the Leafs are going to be going in and uh, they're going to miss yeah. him big time if he's out for a while. Where, where are things at with the uh, 34? Yeah, they're slow playing that one. They, they don't want to rush him. He's probably going to miss the first few games of the season. They're hoping it doesn't go beyond five. Um, but they're just going to slow play. They don't want him to rush coming back. As we've seen in the past, some guys come back a little bit too early. They're going to play for 20, 30 games, and then, uh-oh, they're out for the rest of, you know, a good or at least a good chunk of it. So they're going to slow cook that. They want to make sure he's going to be okay before he gets back into it fully. The other thing, too, uh, Mitch Marner's a game-time decision after taking that little collision from, from Wayne Simmons the other day. So he's going to be a game-timer tonight against Montreal, so we'll see if he gets in that lineup. But – if these are the injuries that are happening for a lot of these teams, it's better to happen now than down the stretch. So at least they'll take that. Yeah, no doubt about that. Dave Pagnotto of the fourth period is with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk as we get ready for the Jets' first game of the season tonight, 9 p.m. Before that, as Dave just mentioned, Habs and Leafs get going coast-to-coast uh, coast on national television. Let's move out west. We've po- talked a lot about, I mean, God, we spent half the season playing Calgary, Edmonton, and Vancouver last year in the Canadian <laughs> division. They're all back in the Pacific, which I think most would agree is the weakest division in hockey right now, at least on paper going in. And there's a big opportunity for teams like Calgary and Vancouver that might be really borderline in other divisions to get back to the playoffs. From your perspective, Dave, before we drop the puck, Calgary, Edmonton and Vancouver, how do you rank those teams as far as likelihood of being in the postseason tournament? Uh, Edmonton, Vancouver, Calgary for me in that order. I, I'm I'm not buying in yet to Daryl Sutter in Calgary. I, I don't think it's a good match. I, I I don't think it's a good play overall with the guys that they have there. Um, I, I I'm not sure I, to see it. Look, it's a full season, so it's a clean slate, and he can you know clean things up and get a full training camp in. So I give him the benefit of the doubt there, but. I think the defense isn't as good. I don't know if it's going, if the players are going to resonate with the type of um, uh, coaching tactics that Daryl has, has brought in, uh, in into the equation. So I'm, I'm not buying in on that. I think they're going to be on the outside of the playoffs looking in. I like Edmonton. I like the depth that they brought and the acquisitions that they made in the offseason. I know a lot of people a little questioning Duncan Keith and Cody Cece. I like the fact that they went out there and brought in those kinds of players to shore up that back end and bringing in uh, Fogel as well up front. 
uh, obviously Hyman. So they address a lot of needs. Goaltending is going to be the biggest question mark as to whether Mike Smith can play 50-plus games this season. And if not, how are they going to address that? Do they go to Columbus and ask for Corpus Salo or, or figure something out? Um, I wouldn't be shocked if that ultimately happens. Um, but I like them. And, yeah, I mean, look, you got Dreisaitl and McDavid, so – that's a big plus, and that'll propel you forward. I, I also really like Vancouver. I think the Canucks are going to shock a few people with how well they're going to do. Now, I again, I have them below Edmonton, but it wouldn't surprise me if it flips because uh, I just love their depth. I love the fact that they've got three lines now that they can produce offense with, and they they retooled that back end, um, bringing in Ekman Larson, bringing in Pullman. I like the fact that they were a lot deeper they're a lot stronger, and I think the Garland acquisition is going to be a sneaky good one for them offensively. Yeah, well, now that got Quinn Hughes and um, uh, Elias signed, I mean, I yeah. think Canucks fans are feeling a little bit better about the season. It was sort of bizarre that they did all these other moves, and then you're looking at it, and they barely had enough to get it done. They you know, did a good job at getting it done. But again, three years for Elias, six years for Quinn Hughes, and you mentioned Tucker Pullman. You know, he had an up and down season to say the least. Um, playing yeah. quite a bit of time in the top four, uh, with Josh Morrissey last year. Couldn't help but notice he's paired with Quinn Hughes going into tonight's <laughs> opening game. So that'll be interesting to see how that works. Just quickly on Calgary. Um, as I mentioned, spent a lot of time doing shows in Calgary over the last few months. At the end of the season, I mean, the conversations there were. Are they blowing the entire thing up? How many moves will be made? How many of these guys have just played their last game as Flames? And Blake Coleman comes in and Mark Giano goes out. That is pretty much um, that's pretty much it. How yeah. much different can we expect the, team, the Flames to be? You sort of nailed it. They're really buying on this, uh, buying into the Sutter effect, making this team better. I'm not sure how realistic that is. Right. And, and it, again, it may work out in the first little bit, but I can tell you from covering the LA Kings for a long time during their cup runs and knowing guys on that team, that message started to hit deaf ears. So I, I don't know if he's going to alter his, his mentality. He probably won't, but you never know. Um, I just don't know how that's going to resonate with guys like Sean Monaghan and Johnny Goudreau. I, I just don't, I don't know if that's really going to work, if that's going to work for Lindholm and Granlin and some of those guys, maybe Matthew Kachuk cause he probably just won't give a crap. Um, but some of the other guys on the team, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's, if, if that's the type of coach that resonates well with those kinds of players, uh, Coleman, different story. And, and, Kachuk, I mean, those are different breeds, but I think other guys, and there have been tough guys in the NHL that have been coached under Daryl Sutter, and the message again, just, you know, it, it's, it's not as it, as effective as it was back, you know, even 10 years ago. So, I'm very curious to see how this, how this comes out. The fact that there's no Johnny Goudreau contract right now uh, on an extension is a little puzzling to me, because it sounded like there was at least a message that everybody was sending out was positive talks, positive talks, something's going to get done, positive talks, and we're not there. So I'm curious to see how this progresses um, as the season gets going and whether or not he's going to be with the Flames by the deadline if they're out of it. If they are out of it and he doesn't have a contract, he could be the number one guy on the market and then potentially the number one guy in the free agent market in the summer. 
All right, Dave, before we go, we saved the best for last. What are your thoughts <laughs> on the home team here? The Winnipeg Jets, Kevin Sheveldayoff had a great offseason. The, the amount of excitement and positivity really since the minute that Nate Schmidt and Brendan Dillon got to town yeah. has been um, has been significant. Uh, we know the team has been good in the past. How much better can they be? And uh, just your thoughts on the Jets' outlook going into tonight's 1 of 82. Yeah, I like it. I, I like what they brought to the table, and I love the fact that they finally, and we've all been talking about this for two, three years, two, three seasons at least, fix that defense, make it bigger, make it stronger, make it more reliable. They do, they, they've done that with, with the addition of Schmidt and with Dylan. I like that. I like the fact that they've got, um, again, a lot of depth up front. They can juggle things around. You've got a full season of Pierre-Luc Dubois. You've got um, you know, uh, Shifley coming back, wanting a little bit of uh, revenge this season after what happened in the postseason. So I, I like the makeup of this team. And obviously a lot of it's going to count on the health and, and the performance of Connor Hellebuck. If he is still the goaltender we all believe him to be, then this is going to be a team that's going to fight for the uh, division uh, for, for me. And um, again, I like what they bring. I'm interested to see how long Cole Perfetti sticks around. Uh, and, and if he does cement himself on this roster, because he's going to be a hell of a player, not just for the Jets, but in the league. Yeah, well, we've been spending a lot of time talking about Perfetti. Obviously, he's in the lineup tonight. I think you could make an assumption that this is maybe a one-game thing because Shifley's no. suspended for today. I, I know that they wanted to play a lot. They wanted to play in a top-line role the way he did last year with Manitoba. And the fact that he's able to go to the AHL as opposed to back to the OHL is significant. That being said, I do think we'll see a number of games from Perfetti as the season goes on. And it wouldn't at all surprise me if he was a regular by the end of the season going yep. into hopefully a playoffs. Just one more thing. You mentioned Mark Shifley. And um, yeah, you know, he's going to be pissed off sitting in the press box tonight, still <laughs> thinking about what happened in Montreal, trying to get past that. But I'm interested in your perspective on Mark Shifley as it pertains to the Olympic team. Um, he is a guy, you'll see him on a number of people's lists. He's just left off a number of lists. I, I mean, from my perspective, I think, you know, we know the sort of you know, young man that he is, how motivated he is, how he wants to be amongst the best. I think that will bring out the best of him over the first half of the season. But I also think that he'll need that to be part of Team Canada. Where are you at on yeah. Shifley's Olympic chances? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think uh, he's, you know, and, and there's so many good players out there. So I think he's one of the guys on that can teeter-totter either direction, um, just depending on how they want to kind of build their their lineup. Um, but, I mean, if he goes out, and that's a motivator in and of itself. I mean, Drew Doughty talked about that from a defensive perspective, that he's going into this season highly motivated because everybody's kind of written him off. So he's got... Uh, something to prove, not just from a season perspective, but also with respect to the Olympics. I think Shifley will be coming into this year with a similar type of mindset because he's kind of that bubble type player for a lot of the different lists that are out there. Uh, I think he comes in, wants to be able to project this team forward and, and the Jets into contender status, uh, but also selfishly wanting to do well so he can be part of that Canadian Olympic club. And there's nothing wrong with that. No doubt about it. Dave Padnotta is with us from the fourth period. Dave, this is a great chat. Can't wait to do this again yeah. later on this season. Say hi to Dennis and the guys and to fill people in on uh, what you guys have cracking over at the fourth period.com as we get underway with the new season. Yeah, yeah. New season. So we're, we're pretty jacked and we're expanding our, um, our, our content across the board with a lot of fantasy aspects and, and a lot of daily material that we'll be producing starting next week. Little 
behind the eight ball in terms of the start of the season, but we'll get there. Uh, but we've got that coming. And then also with the magazine as well on the print side, we're back in full production now that things are seemingly back to normal. So uh, we've got the print magazine as well. That'll be back in action starting next month. Uh, always a pleasure having you on the program, man. Keep up the great work and then let's do this again soon. Sounds great. Thanks for having me. <laughs> there it is. Dave Pagnotta. Give him a follow on Twitter at David Pagnotta, of course. And you should be following the fourth period as well. Uh, we'll focus in on the Jets. Going to definitely have to hit the Bombers as well. And maybe even a little curling with uh, the man of all trades, Ted Wyman of the Winnipeg Sun in just a minute. Uh, speaking of curling, a big thanks to Princess Auto, one of our newest sponsors here. A great sponsor of the sport here in Manitoba, as well as two Manitoban Olympic hopeful teams, the Mike McEwen rink and Jen Jones. Um, we will be getting to some curling talk, especially as we get closer to the the um, Olympic qualifying tournament coming up next month in Saskatoon. Uh, but Princess Auto, you know them well. I've never seen a more popular new sponsor. People love Princess Auto. And I think they know that that's the spot where you'll find the best deals and the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Uh, Princess Auto prides themselves on helping you create the ideas in your head, whether for your sh- shop, work site, or home. Princess Auto knows you love finding the right tools and equipment to build or repair your things yourself. Pop by any of the two local locations. Of course, Princess Auto headquartered right here in Winnipeg, but coast to coast. And you can shop 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, and start thinking about your next project at princessauto.com. Um, Little Brown Jug's got a lot going on these days, not to mention the new fall beer, the Double, which uh, they say is compared to a butter tart. Sign me up for that. Of course, you know, they've got the uh, flagship brand, the 1919, all those great beers we enjoyed through the summer with the summer variety pack, which are still have a few left. You get that $5 credit if you're buying it at the tap room or online at littlebrownjug.ca. And a bit of an outdoor uh, bonfire party coming up on Friday. S'more beer, please, they call it. Some beers, a little bit of a cookout, a great spot. If you're looking for uh, maybe a few outside before the bomber game on Friday night, Little Brown Jug's the place to be. Go see them down on William Avenue or check out their website at littlebrownjug.ca with delivery citywide. And, uh, man, it's a great time to be kicking it at the Boston Pizza Lounge, isn't it? Get together with your pals tonight, 9 p.m. Jets opener. Tomorrow, NFL football, Thursday nighter. Friday, Bombers. Saturday, Jets. Uh, The BPs are open again and waiting for you and your friends to come in and enjoy the games on the big screen, not to mention the pizza, the wings, the schooners. It's all there at your local Boston Pizza. Or if you're not planning on going out tonight, Make an order for delivery to kick off the season right at bostonpizza.com. All right, let's uh, chop it up with our man Ted Wyman of the Winnipeg Sun. Lots to get to, focusing on our local scene. And Ted joins us now. Fire off the drip alert because Ted is back. What's going on, my friend? How are you? I'm doing great, man. I got to tell you, what a time to be a sports enthusiast isn't it you know it always is around this time of year but just especially right now and the nhl starting up you got the baseball playoffs you got both football leagues that people around here love to follow and as you mentioned it's even uh you know getting right into the thick of curling season it is one heck of a time to be a sports fan 
No, it, it is. Last weekend, I mean, you know, on top of it all, one of the great heavyweight fights of the last 20 years going at it with Fury and Wilder. I mean, there literally was something going on at all times, pretty much nonstop. Um, we don't have enough time to hit all of it, but I am absolutely with you. But, you know, from a local standpoint, Ted, you've been covering our local teams for a long time. And I realize we're in a very strange era of life coming out of the pandemic, hopefully yeah. dealing with everything else that we have had. But, you know, to your point, the Bombers are the class of the league right now. The Jets have about as much excitement and optimism going into a season that we've seen in a long time. The Moose, for their part, are going to have as stacked rosters we've seen since they returned. The Ice are arguably the best team in the Western Hockey League. I mean, if you're a Winnipeg sports fan that has been, you know, waiting to get out to see your teams, now is the time to do it because I can't remember a time where we could actually look at all, first of all, having as many teams as we have right now, that's grown, but having them all be as competitive with the expectations that they have going in. Um, and the Bombers have really raised the bar over the last couple of years, but the rest of the local hockey squads are certainly poised to uh, have special campaigns as well. They sure are. Shall we call it Tampa Bay North? I mean, I do know the Rays just got eliminated, but they've been doing a lot of winning in Tampa lately, so I don't think anybody was feeling too sorry for them. But in all honesty, you're right. You know, you look at all these different teams that are being successful, and it's it's not really something that many people in Winnipeg have had that experience of as fans. You know, it's unfortunately, there's been a lot more hardship than success in Winnipeg over the years, but the Blue Bombers have set that standard, winning the... Grey Cup in 2019 and emphatically following it up uh, so far looking like, you know, great contenders to be back in the Grey Cup and potentially win it. Um, you know, they, they're certainly the favorites for that. And, and then there's the Jets. And really, we're talking on paper here when we talk about the Jets because we haven't seen them go out and do what they need to do to prove that they're as good of a team as we think they are. But they've got something pretty special uh in the in the room when you've got Connor Hellebuck coming out the day before the game saying this is a Stanley Cup caliber team and it's time for us to put our foot forward and prove it and you know just to have anyone say that I mean, he's a positive guy but you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself by saying that and so I think that should give fans you know a feeling of how this team feels about themselves. Well, and, 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 you know, it's funny you bring up that statement from Connor yesterday because um, I, I always love listening to Hellebuck. I mean, he's a guy that doesn't really seem to have a filter. And, I mean, it's like he's pumped with truth serum every time he gets in front of a microphone. And, um, you know, he's not shy to say that he wants to be the best. He's here to win a Stanley Cup. And, the, and if you, you listen, you want a team to have that sort of a belief in it. But to have a guy, and we'll spend a lot of time gushing over Nikolai Ehlers and looking at the points of Mark Scheifele, but let's be real here, Ted. Connor Hellebuck is the most important player on the Winnipeg Jets. And to have him in that mindset, um, we've seen what he's been able to achieve individually, winning the Vesna, what he's been able to do for a team that, you know, many people would argue overachieved because of his play. With the additions on the blue line, a more mature group up front, younger players. I mean, there should be good expectations for this club. And to be honest, it kind of starts with the guy in net. Well, nobody's calling the Winnipeg Jets a Stanley Cup contender if it's not for Connor Hellebuck being in net. That is just, that's the foundation. That's the rock upon which all of this is built. It's one of the reasons why Kevin Sheveldayoff went out and did what he did in the offseason, which was to, you know, take a look at what you have under contract, the players that have committed to this organization, and then say, 
we've got a window and it's open now and we have to try to jump through it. And what we're going to do is add, 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 play to the cap and try to take a run at it right now. And every single person in that Jets room knows that Shevel Dayoff did that. Every single single person on the coaching staff knows that that was what the organization chose to do. And the pressure is on them now uh, to to come through and make sure that this is good. Uh, Paul Maurice knows it. He knows that, you know, he can't have a terrible start. There's just no way. Because at some point, if you're all in, you have to perform or else changes have to be made, right? So there's definite pressure here. It's on all of the players, but they do seem to be embracing it. They do seem to be enjoying it. I think the addition of Nate Schmidt has kind of changed that locker room a little bit. It's added a lot more levity to it. Um, you could tell there's a lot of players having fun, and they're enjoying the fact that they're a good team. Now, how much will they be enjoying it once they get out there and start playing all those tough Central Division games? I'm not so sure. But right now, there's an awful lot of happiness and enthusiasm and optimism with that team. Uh, Ted Wyman of the Winnipeg Sun with us. Uh, let's focus in on the lineup tonight. What are the last couple of days? Um, you know, I know there's been a lot. You guys have been writing about it. I mean, the newspaper. I mean, everyone's been talking about this final roster. And, you know, once you got the players in, how do you make the numbers work? And we won't melt people's brains with the intricities of the salary cap. But we knew that what we saw on Monday might not be the way the lineup looks tonight. And sure enough, that has happened. Billy Hanel has been sent to the Manitoba Moose. Svechnikov has been signed, but with Mark Shifley out, Cole Perfetti is making his NHL debut tonight. Where are you on this? I mean, is this sort of a one-game reward opportunity for Perfetti that probably won't continue past tonight when Shifley comes back? Or is it up to the young man to make the decision that hard for Paul Maurice to take him out of the lineup tonight? I think it's both those things. I think that it easily could be a one-off. Um, and and then take a look because, you know, they can play him, what, eight games without his contract kicking in. So, I mean, there's certainly an opportunity to have a look at Cole Perfetti. But also, if he has a great game tonight, if he if he's whether he scores or not, if he looks right at home in the National Hockey League and he adds to what this team can can do uh, it, on a line with Adam Lowry and Jansen Harkins, Sure, there's going to be an opportunity for them to take a look at him again. I mean, I think he's already changed some opinions uh, with his training camp here. As I said before, it's easy to put him in the lineup here because you can, and you need to with Shifley out. But I think he earned this spot. I don't think that this is just a token thing that they're putting Cole Perfetti in. I think he had a very good training camp. I think he had good preseason games. I think he even looked good playing with Lowry in the past and, and Paul Maurice said the Calgary game was a big positive for him just last Friday. So they're taking a look. And if he does well, if he performs, how could you not take a further look? But I do think the more likely thing with him is that he does spend some time in the American hockey league and that maybe we see him later in the season. Maybe we see him for a playoff run. Maybe it's kind of a a la Cole Caulfield kind of thing in uh, Montreal uh, who obviously had a fantastic playoff after not really playing with the Habs all year. Maybe you're going to see Cole Perfetti come on late and and have an opportunity to contribute big time. Yeah, I, I, I'm I sort of there with you on that. I mean, I think that they will be spending some time with the Moose. Injuries can change everything. I mean, I think if you have a player in the top six that is out and Perfetti performs well, 
there's an opportunity maybe to come in earlier. We were just talking with people in the chat whether uh, if we put an over-under a number of games with the big club this year at 25, um, you know, assuming that at some point due to injuries or whatever, he's, you know, plays the 10 and there's no issue with, with playing him. Does he get that much? I I think it might actually end up being in and around that area. But to your point, Ted, if he does have a strong season and continues the improvement and the development path that he's on, I think he absolutely, regardless of where he plays the majority of this season, becomes a possibility to have a nice boost to the lineup come playoff time. Ted Wyman's with us. Ted, the other thing that happened today was uh, a, finally an NHL contract for Evgeny Svechnikov. And I know Mark Sport's video, by the way, was asking in the chat if he's a UFA or an RFA. He is a restricted free agent after this deal. I mean, he's 24 years old, so there's still a little bit of time. I mean, a real low-risk acquisition. I mean, about the lowest risk at all. They didn't pay anything to get him. They signed him to a moose deal first. Now he's earned a spot on the club, Ted. Um, this is one of those spots. I still scratch my head as to how he was available in the fashion that he was being a former first rounder at the cost that he was. But this is a guy that has played his way onto the team as well. And as soon as assuming he gets there in time for the game, I don't believe he's out for the morning skate right now in Anaheim, that um, he'll be there. And that'd be another sort of found money, I'd say, for the Winnipeg Jets, which has added a little bit more competition into that bottom six right now. Certainly, Veselainen's another guy we should mention who sort of had the opportunity first for the third line, won't be there for tonight's game. But um, thoughts on that bottom six, and in particular the signing of Svechnikov today and how he fits into the Jets puzzle? I like the word you use, competition, Huss, because I think that's what part of this is. It's like it's not really set. There are various players who could fit into that mix, and it's not necessarily other than, you know, Riley Nash, um, on that fourth line, who's obviously more of a veteran, it's not necessarily going down that road where it was last year, where it was Matthew Perot and uh, and Nate Thompson and Trevor Lewis are all well into their 30s. It's not that like that now. There's going to be chances for younger guys. I think the fans in Winnipeg, you can tell, they really like the idea of giving Sveshnikov a look. I mean, what have you got to lose? Realistically, you know, it's not a high-risk contract, and he's – uh, and, he, and he might be a very good player for you. If he's a late bloomer, which is what you're looking for, and I thought he did look pretty good in training camp. I thought he looked good in the preseason games. I think a lot of people thought so. So this is a, a great – I think it's a really nice look for them. Obviously, people love the fact that Perfetti's in for game one, um, and I'm sure fans would love to see more and more of that. I think they'd love to see Vili Hainala up in the lineup as well at some point. But right now, the Jets – you know, the, what, the one thing about Perfetti that I think is interesting is you talked about that over-under with the 25 games, okay? So most likely in my mind, I'm thinking, no, I'm thinking less than 10 games. But if you're all in as an organization and he's making you better, you have an obligation, in my opinion, to play him and not worry about what that means for his future contract. Well, I, especially when you look at the window right now of this club. I mean, the remaining... Uh, time on Shifley's contract, Hellebuck's contract, Wheeler's contract, Ehler's contract, not to mention the defense. And this is where it gets complicated for Vili, uh, Dylan Sandbrick, and the most talented Moose Blue line we've seen at any point since the team came back. Your top five defensemen, Ted, all have three years minimum left on their deals, and there's Logan Stanley there. So, I mean, it's a whole nother conversation depending on how this season goes. Um, you know, if there just simply isn't room for a number of talented young players, 
what sort of assets are those and what might they do for the team a little bit later on in the season. Um, what do you make of Veselainen's situation going into tonight? I kind of mentioned that, you know, it seemed like, here you go. Here's the spot with Adam Lowry. Go ahead and take it. And that didn't really happen. And to be honest, the guy that it looks like is going to be playing with Lowry was the guy that did earn it, who had a disappointing season last year getting lapped by a few guys, and that was Jansen Harkins. Yeah, I think that Veselainen's a bit of an enigma for me. And I mean, obviously, as an observer of this Jets team over the years, the problem is supposedly as a great shot, I've never seen him use it, you know, and he doesn't, he hasn't scored. He's played 17 NHL games. He hasn't scored. He's not looking like a guy that's just got that nose for the net. So I don't want to be overly critical of him because the guy's got to get a chance, right? And he's going to get in there. He's going to get more regular playing time this year, whether it be on that third line or on the fourth line. And he's going to have a chance to start doing some of the things that we've heard about him. But until we see it, it's pretty hard to predict what you're going to get out of Christian Veselainen. The fact is, much like Sveshnikov, he's a first-round draft pick, I think one year later or two years later than Sveshnikov, and he hasn't quite panned out yet. There's no reason to believe that he can't be a later bloomer, just like Sveshnikov could be. If you think one, you might think the other. And I think that's a nice position for the Jets. And I honestly think Jansen Harkins has earned every single bit of what he's getting, which is a chance to play a little further up in the lineup. He's got good speed. He played really well, I thought, in the playoffs two years ago. I don't know. It wasn't even two years ago yet. It was really only one year ago, but uh, in two seasons ago. And then he didn't get much of a chance last year. And I, I think a lot of people thought he should, but I think he was very good about it. He was patient. He was a good teammate. And now he's getting his crack. And that's just good to see. Uh, Ted, I, I want to ask you something that I talked about with Pagnotta in the last segment here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. And it's about Mark Shifley. He's not going to be in the lineup tonight. Uh, I, I'm sure he'll be you know, chewing his lip off, being angry about not being able to be there with his team tonight. But he'll be back for game number two. And, you assume that, you know, first things first, you want to help your team win. But I'm interested in your perspective, having followed his entire career, as to what the prospect of the Canadian Olympic team does to the first half of Mark Shifley's season. He's already been an incredibly motivated player, but I certainly think that that extra care of knowing that each and every night he's going to be being measured against other Canadian Olympic hopefuls might propel Mark Shifley to his best season yet. Well, I think the the Jets and their fans, their organization would all hope that that's true. For him, it's an interesting situation because I think in the last couple of years, in the lead up to these Olympics, it's been fairly well believed that Shifley would be on the team. Now I think he's more of a bubble player, and that's kind of the way that he's being described by a lot of people. So it does come down to this first half of the season. And they're not going to be able to refuse him or, you know, a spot on that team if he is right up there in the top 10 in scoring um, in the NHL, which he has the capability to be. And he certainly has the team to be in the top 10 in scoring with the players that he's going to play with great wingers like Connor and Wheeler, obviously power play time. He's also going to, you know, maybe there's time with Ehlers, who's uh, such a tremendous talent. They've got, he's got, support at center with Pierre-Luc Dubois. If Dubois has a good season, which, you know, people are hopeful of, but we don't know. It's hard to say. Um, But he could be a really great 1B or at least number two center, which takes a lot of pressure off of Shifley. Really good, a lot of good offensive defensemen. You know, I like his chances of putting up a lot of points. And, 
you know, he's got to play a certain style. He's got to show them that he can be versatile. He's going to be on the wing. He's going to have to be physical. I think he does all those things. So it is a really important time. And I think he's got a shot, but that's a heck of a Canadian team. (laughs) No doubt about it. Ted Wyman's with us here from the Winnipeg Sun. Uh, Of course, the Sun will be covering uh, the Jets season top to bottom beginning tonight. And uh, we always love having Ted on the program. Ted, I do want to quickly transition from the hockey club, which everyone's talking about tonight because it's the opener to the Bombers who have been the talk of the town in the Canadian Football League for certainly this season. Well, really dating back to 2019 when they won it the last time. Eight and one right now coming off. I mean, an abject humiliation of the Edmonton Elks Friday at IG Field and a game that could have been far worse in the score department if the Bombers, I I, I say Achilles heel in quotes because, uh, yeah, they're winning by 27 instead of 35 right now. But the kicking game, it is somewhat unbelievable that the kicking game has been as ugly as it has been, and it hasn't even come close to costing them a game. Unrealistic to think that can happen if you want to win a great cup. And there was Mike O'Shea giving a vote of confidence to Ali Murtada, who's going to get another opportunity. Um, What did you think about the win and then the kicking conundrum that the Bombers find themselves out and how much longer can they continue going back to the well? That game could easily have been 50 to three. There's a reason why Trevor Harris said that that was the most embarrassing game he'd ever been a part of. And he got hooked, and he's not playing anymore this week. It's, it's so insane. He probably was rightly embarrassed. But uh, honestly, um, the Bombers are a, a machine. They're a juggernaut defensively. The offense is competent. A little bit better than that. I, I'm being a little hard on them. I think they're actually a very good offense, uh, one of the top ones in the league. But they, you know, they're not as they're not at that same level as the defense and they didn't play very well uh, at least early in this last game. And that kept Edmonton in it. It gave this illusion that Edmonton was somehow in the game, but they never Edmonton never even scored more than three points. So that obviously wasn't true. Then you talk about this kicking game and yeah, it's, it's not so much about Ali Mortada as it is about the fact that this is the third kicker they've tried this year. They've had very little success. They're at 52.4% in field goal kicking overall, which is absolutely atrocious. Mortada himself is four for 10. Mark Leggio is in there. He actually kicked a game-winning field goal, and he had one good game, but his field goal kicking and his uh, point after kicking was wild. You know, he was kicking it 10 yards right of the uprights or left of the uprights or short. He was not kicking consistently well. They weren't good-looking kicks. You watch Ali Martata's kicks, they were good kicks. They were straight. They were where he was putting them. But he was missing by a football on both sides of the of the upright. So I'm not excusing that because it's not good enough. It absolutely is not good enough to miss all those field goals. But I get where Mike O'Shea is coming from. It looks mechanically like he's kicking the ball well, and he's very close to the uprights, and he's just got to make some little adjustments, and he's going to have his chance. Obviously, very hard to do in-game. But as you know, Huss is a huge follower of football on both sides of the border. There were 25 missed field goals in the NFL <laughs> last week. Mason Crosby, one of the great all-time kickers, misses three times, you know, misses a, a point after, and then wins the game for the Green Bay Packers in overtime. And in the CFL, Boris Beattie was missing for Toronto. Uh, there's a lot of bad place kicking going on, and it isn't going to be easy to replace anybody because who's out there? I do know for a fact, that they called, they've, they've talked to Liram Hiralahu, who's an NFL free agent right now, but 
he's looking at that kicking situation in the NFL with everybody missing. And he's thinking, I got a chance to be the next guy up here. So he's not ready to come to Canada. And the Bombers don't, I don't think that that's looking like an option for them. So it's either Mortada or they're finding somebody else or they're trying Legio again. And that's really all they've got. And they just need to cross their fingers and hope that one of these guys is able to do it consistently. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is the CFL trade deadline next week? Uh, They changed the date around uh, because of the 14 game schedule. I think it might be the 25th, but you're going to have, I don't have that number on It's right around the corner. There's a little bit of time left. Let's just say Mortada has another game like he's had. Yeah. And they realize, okay, we have to do something. Are, do you think there's any chance that they reach out to Lapo and the guys over in Ottawa and try and get Lewis Ward, who's got an expiring contract, or even Sean White, now that yep. it seems like the Elks are sort of throwing up the white flag on their season? Absolutely, there is a chance. It's on the table. I know for a fact it's been discussed internally, if not with these teams. But the question for me, especially if I'm Ottawa, is even if you're getting a really good Canadian player out of the Bombers uh, in exchange for Lewis Ward, Who's kicking for you this year? Who's kicking for you next year? Who's kicking for you down the road? We've seen how hard it is to replace players like Haralahu and Justin Medlock. Are they going to put themselves in that position where they're the, the team now that has to figure that out? And, you know, so, I, you know, I don't know how it works. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I, I don't know how that works for Ottawa. And, and with Edmonton's situation, that's different. Sean Wright's an older player. Um, you know, I don't know where his situation, what, what his future looks like. And I do believe the es- the Elks do have a player on their practice roster who's a kicker as well. So um, maybe they get a chance that that might be a better option because maybe you could get Sean White in here. The Elks could have a look at their other kicker. And then who knows what happens at the end of the season. There would probably be some sort of a conditional draft pick. If the Bombers were to sign a player, then they'd be giving up more draft picks to the other team. Or maybe they just would let someone go and the other team could sign him back anyway. I mean, there's lots of options there, Huss, but it's not going to be just that simple to snap your fingers and say, we'll give you a good player and you're going to give us your kicker because that's an important player too. Uh, We spent quite a bit of time talking with Kenny Lawler at the beginning of last week. He has served his one-game suspension. Everything happening off the field will continue to go forth. Um, should we expect 89 back in the lineup and um, looking like his old self or is there might be there more to get back in the lineup for Lawler considering what went down? Well, I, as far as I know, I think he is going to be back in the lineup and he is still leading the CFL and receiving even after missing a week um, and a great chance to just pick up where he left off. I thought the Bombers really missed him. Um, I don't, you know, Kelly Knight does not have the same dynamic, uh, you know, skill set I don't think as Kenny Lawler has and certainly not as refined because Kenny Lawler is now you know a a veteran player after a couple of years here in the CFL and it it, you know Nick Dembski played really well Rashid Bailey played really well Darvin Adams did almost nothing he caught one out of eight passes thrown his way for just 10 yards and that's a concern because they need Darvin Adams to be uh, you know a deep threat and a and a key player for Kalaros but Hopefully Lawler opens that side up for uh, for Adams as well. And they should be in pretty good shape there. And they still have Naaman Roosevelt, who they haven't even tried to put into the lineup yet. I'm not sure exactly what the situation is there, but maybe he's their ace in the hole for the playoffs. I don't know. But um, honestly, I, I do think that Kenny Lawler and Zach Claros have an excellent chemistry. 
They seem to really understand each other. And Kalaros has been underthrowing some footballs lately. And Lawler has been the guy I've noticed who's done the best job of coming back to make those grabs, even if the ball is underthrown. Yeah, yeah, I'm sort of with you as well. I mean, people were asking if there was any additional discipline from the Canadian Football League. There was not. Bombers did that suspension, and he'll be eligible to come back, and I think we should expect that going forward. Hey, just one more on the CFL. We spent so much time talking about the Bombers. The big question right now is, who's the number two team in the league? Who's next? You know what? To me, it has to be the Toronto Argos. They're the only team that's beaten Winnipeg. I honestly think that they're the only – right now – if it was going into the Grey Cup and the Bombers were playing the Argos, I honestly think that would be a concern for the Bombers because the Argos have played them well in every game last year and this year. And I do think that they're uh, they're a team that seems to be a bit of a threat. They you know they big comeback win against Hamilton. Um, they look strong out of the East. And, you know, the other team to me that's in that mix is probably the Calgary Stampeders. Obviously, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders are still there, but the Calgary Stampeders look like they're coming on strong, having beaten Saskatchewan two games in a row. Um, Bo Levi Mitchell looking better. Um, That's a team that's sort of building. You can see that. It's like that steamroller coming up from below. And and we'll see where they end up uh, when we get to the playoffs and if they are a team that can truly push – you know, the bombers uh, in the West division. Uh, Ted Wyman is with us from the Winnipeg Sun here. Sorry about that, Ted. Ted Wyman's with us from the Winnipeg Sun here. Ted, um, I have to quickly ask you about the, uh, the latest on curling. You've done such a great job uh, helping Manitoba curling fans follow our teams as we get ready to, I mean, the biggest event that happens every four years that, of course, is the Olympic qualifying. Um, big performance by Mike McEwen's rink to get the spot that they thought they already had. Just give us a quick rundown of the Manitoba teams, where they're at right now as it pertains to trying to represent Canada at the Olympics. Well, uh, I wish I had the whole list of the players that are the teams that are playing in the uh, pre-trials, but there are a number of Manitoba teams that are going to be involved there, and they're still going to have a chance to get into the uh, the full trials. That includes Jason Gunlickson, Sean Grassy. There's a few other teams on the men's side that are doing that. On the women's side, you've got Jennifer Jones, Carrie Anderson, Tracy Fleury. They're all locked in to the trials and are going to be big-time contenders all three of them to uh, to advance to represent Canada. And on the men's side, you know, Mike McEwen, that they're, they're such a good team. They really are a really good team. They've just, ne- they've been just short for a while now. Uh, and, uh, and they're just not quite there with team Jacobs and team Gushu and team Cooey and team Botcher. Um, but they're right there in the second tier, I think, along with Matt Dunstone's team out of Saskatchewan and, and teams that could come up and surprise. And I'll tell you, that's something that has happened many times at the Olympic trials where teams that haven't been the best in the country in terms of winning Briars and Scotty's tournaments of heart have come through and been the team that won in the Olympic trials or even at least took a run and got to the final. And Mike McEwen did make the final last time, lost on last rock. Uh, a, a really great draw by Kevin Cooey to break his heart. He's got a different team now, but that's a guy with a lot of determination and a team that really wants to, uh, you know, nothing more than to get there. And I, I certainly think they've got a chance and there'll be a fun team for Manitoba to follow. Are you going to be uh, out in Saskatoon next month uh, covering it all for the sun? 
you bet for the whole post media chain and uh been doing that for a few years uh and i really enjoy that it's a great spectrum of the entire country uh representation in curling that i get to do and the trials is just a beast of its own it's just an incredible thing to cover the intensity of it all the excitement the the amount of work that has gone into just getting there like no sport has a qualifying process like Canada does for the Olympics. It's four years long and then they have to go through extra events this year just to get to those trials. And then they got to go through a grueling round robin against the eight other best teams in the country just to have a chance to get into the playoffs and then win more big games and maybe get to the Olympics. There's a reason why you can see those teams shed such tears of joy and excitement when they win something like that. It's as big as winning the Olympics itself. Olympics itself, and it's really a special event every four years. Well, I can't wait to talk to you more about that as we get closer to the end of November in Saskatoon. And uh, it's always great having you on the program, Ted. Lots of lots for us to chop up right now with uh, everything that's happening with these Winnipeg teams. But, of course, the focus tonight is going to be on the Honda Centre and the Jets' first game of the season. And then, of course, uh, they'll be back for the home opener next Thursday, uh, I believe, against these same Anaheim Ducks. Sort of weird. Jets get Anaheim three times in the first seven games of the season, Ted. And uh, maybe that's a good thing, touch wood, because the Ducks don't ha- have great um, prospects, shall we say, to be a top team this year. But uh, we will see some exciting young players on Anaheim tonight. Uh, but I think all eyes are going to be on number 91, Cole Perfetti, in his NHL debut. Uh, what do you and the gang of the Sun have coming up, uh, obviously, for tonight? Going into a busy weekend with more Jets action. Of course, a big bomber game on the road in Edmonton on Friday. Oh, man, we've got everything covered, obviously. And, uh, you know, it is a late game tonight. So um, some early words of wisdom from Scott Billick uh, before that one as well. And then Paul Friesen's actually going to cover the Blue Bombers on the road this weekend. I'm uh, I'm not, I'm taken back. I actually wrote about curling today and uh, back on the beat next week with the Bombers. Uh, did a little Jets coverage this week. Really, I got to tell you, I really enjoy that you like to talk to me about all three of these sports because one of the things I love about this business is being able to be involved in all of them. Well, you know what? I, I'm with you. I mean, that's why I love these chats, whether we're on the air or off the air. But, you know, curling is something that has a huge, huge place in the Manitoba sports scene. And there's a lot of people that haven't. But you know what? They get sucked in when the Briars on or the, the Scotties are on. But this event coming up is different. It's on a whole nother level. You named it. It's Four years of grinding to try to, you know, take the greatest honor in Canadian curling, which is representing your country every four years. So uh, the stakes are high. The uh, the teams are amazing. And a lot of them are from right here in Winnipeg and Manitoba. So uh, I always love talking to you about it, Ted. Enjoy the game tonight. Enjoy the, uh, all the action. I mean, this is doesn't get much better, as you mentioned, for being a sports fan right now. It's stuff going on. And uh, we'll do this again real soon here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. All right, buddy. Have a great day. Great stuff. There he is, the Drip King himself, at Ted underscore Wyman on Twitter. You can check out Ted's work along with Freezer, Scott Billick, and the rest of the team over at the Winnipeg Sun in the sports section. All right, we do have uh, some more things to get to as it pertains to tonight. We'll go through some of the lines, a little more from the morning skate. Uh, But first off, do want to thank Not Autocorp for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk since day one. Trevor and his team have been supporting us 
Um, and they've been such a big part of of, of Winnipeg. I, it, it, I was out there for the Milt Stegall TV shoot last week, and you have to see what they have done with the facility there. Um, the old Winnipeg Convention Center sign is up in the back. I mean, it is, and, and the art that they've done on the walls from the car lab, it, I mean, some of the most iconic sports photos in our city's history. I, it really is an amazing spot but not quite as amazing as the vehicles they've got on the lot. If you're looking for a new car, why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Knot team? And while you're there, check out the Winnipeg Car Lab, which is open now. Follow them on all socials at Winnipeg Car Lab for wraps, detailing, tinting, striping, rims, all of those things as well. It's all at Knot Auto Corp, Waverly and McGilvery, or online at knot.ca. Now, Friday afternoon, we will be doing another famous Winnipeg Sports Talk marble race. I got to give a shout out to Schickster, who won our first co-branded Winnipeg Sports Talk Canadian Club hoodie in last Friday's event. Schickster popped by yesterday to pick it up. Looked great in it. And by the way, Schickster loved the support. And he was looking good in one of the Winnipeg Sports Talk hats that we did with our friends at Royal Sports. Um, Canadian Club, though, official sponsor, official whiskey, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and certainly the official spirit of your boys here at Winnipeg Sports Talk. You can find it around IG Field at any event, as well as at your local Manitoba Liquor Mart. And, you know, it is getting a little cooler right now, and I know it might not be blizzard weather, but this is the Slurpee capital of the world. And if we can drink Slurpees 12 months a year, we sure as heck can enjoy the great taste of a DQ blizzard. And uh, our friend Nick and Nikki have them cooking along with amazing burgers, fries, chicken fingers, and so much more at DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. And if you do have an event coming up, a birthday party, a gathering, or just getting together with friends and want to be the hero, hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. They'll get you that DQ cake to your specifications ready for you to pick up at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs. So again, follow them on Instagram at DQ Manitoba for all of your cake needs as well, or just pop in and grab one on the way. All right. Great stuff with Dave Pagnotta. Really appreciated Ted coming on. Love talking to Ted uh, always, but um, it was really great to be able to get to the Jets. Of course, the latest on the Bombers, and of course, even a little bit of curling right now with such an exciting month coming up. But our focus, of course, is back on the Winnipeg Jets tonight. We'll get to the cool bet lines in a minute, but uh, let's get Remus back out here. And uh, Remo, I see uh, Marat and the gang that are down in Anaheim right now have a, uh, a few updates from the morning skate today. Didn't seem like there was a lot going on with the uh, line rushes as much, but um, all eyes on number 91, Cole Perfetti, who is set to make his NHL debut and uh, haven't got the confirmations that her parents are there yet, but I do think the Perfetti family will be very proud spectators tonight watching 91 get his first game in the show. Yeah, I think that's the number one story. I'll wait for that as far as... Evgeny Svechnikov, who signed, you mentioned it earlier, he couldn't travel with the team because he wasn't signed. So there's, what, 12 forwards and Mark Shifley on the ice, seven defensemen. Uh, So I think they're figuring Svechnikov will make it in time for the game. They always say the morning skate, I mean, take take it or leave it, right? That's not really an an essential. I think it's just like routine at this point. But uh, so they were going to go, or they go 11 forwards, 7 D. Uh, and there's Murad also saying no line combinations, but Ken did have them yesterday. I believe is this Cole Perfetti's mum uh, tweeting about about it. I'm not or family member. I'm not sure who Murad retweeted. 
And then uh, I guess they're going through the the post game media right now. So, um, oh, well, that's actually that's actually his sister. Oh, his sister. Who, okay, I didn't. And, and, and you know what? I'll plug our friend Marat's piece. Um, if you are an athletic subscriber, which I certainly suggest you do, he does amazing work. I mean, the, the site itself for sports fans is phenomenal. But Marat in particular does just some great reads on the Winnipeg Jets. Um. He did a, a long read, which actually we'll get to. It also provided some incredible comedy uh, in the comments, which I tweeted out earlier on. But um, his older sister um, was such a big part of his young hockey career, going with him to all these events, missing on a lot of things that normal teenagers do with her brother. So uh, it's not surprising that his sister says, good luck tonight, Cole Perfetti. I'm incredibly proud of you for achieving this goal. You've worked so hard for it. And then, and thank you, Winnipeg uh, WPG Marat, for writing this article that captures the kind of person that Cole is. That is the one thing that I, I came out of reading that. And, and, you know, I don't like to be cynical because a lot of times we get sold things on players and everyone just focuses on all the great things and you don't really get to see any of the warts that do become apparent at some point later on. But I'll give the Jets so much credit. They certainly do seem to vet individuals well. Um, and you also want to have a great player. And it seems like they've hit on both of these. And um, to be honest, Remo, I think a lot of the things that Cole did off the ice, the way he interacted with teammates, management at every level, especially last year playing all around that he did, I think that maybe put him in even a better position to realistically get a shot to crack the lineup. And as we've talked about, I'm not sure whether this is temporary because of the Shifley suspension or whether we might be seeing a little bit more Perfetti over the course of the first few weeks of the season to see how things go. Uh, but it certainly seems like he's done everything right on and off the ice to earn his first game in the NHL tonight. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, he had a great season last year. And even since the moment he was drafted, I mean, you heard about how uh, intelligent he was, you know, again, on and off the ice, uh, done all the right things. He's earned this opportunity. And look, I, th- you know, majority of the chats had the under for 25 games, but I think it's entirely possible that if he plays, you know, plays well, um, you know, he can, you know, make an impact and, and stick around and, uh, I have the tweet, uh, Huss, uh, yeah, from, the let's comments, get, let's... from the comment section. So here. So late last night, I didn't want to tweet this too late, but I'm reading Marat's article and I get down to the end. And usually I don't spend a lot of time in comment sections because, um, well, frankly, there's far too many idiots in the majority of comment sections. But this piece that came in, <laughs> came at the end, I had to tweet about it. So Essentially, it's all about Cole, his run here, his family. Um, You know, it's a glowing piece on what really seems like a pretty special young man, both as a player um, and off the ice. So Mark S. goes in, and I'll read this out for folks that are listening on the podcast. The first comment is from Mark S. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. It's clear that character is a very important quality that this organization looks for in a player. The Jets have long been criticized for playing, quote, good in the room guys over better players. But I believe that was a conscious choice from a concerted effort to build a culture, which I think they've achieved. On-ice excellence is so fleeting, but it seems off-ice excellence is a little more within the organization's control. And once you have that, you've got a fertile ground to grow your players. That's the draft and develop ethos here, it seems. So that was from Mark S. Brendan L. then pops in and says, okay, Mark Shifley. To which Mark S. says, hey, sorry to break it to you, Brendan Lemieux, but that now you know why we traded you. 
to which Brendan L says, ha ha, well played. <laughs> I laughed so hard at that, Remus. And, and again, I'm not sure whether these are actual, like, you know, it's Mark, uh, Mark Smith and uh, Brendan Loudon or whatever. But the way that it came out and the way that it read was a little bit of magic in the comment section that you don't get very often. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's the one thing. The Athletic uh, does have a good comment section because it's people who are paying uh, to read the site and who want to get that kind of content. But yeah, that is pretty funny. I saw you tweeted it. I gave it a like. I thought it was uh, thought it was was pretty funny. But I mean, I think Perfetti. You know, you know him for being good person. I used to be talking about Josh Morrissey, who was scholastic player there. I think Adam Lowry was too. I think they got a couple. So it was definitely a quality um, that the Jets look for when they're drafting and. Again, we're all excited to see uh, what he can do. A couple storylines as we head into the season, but um, Perfetti playing with, with uh, this one, but Lowry and uh, and Harkins. Well, that's what it was practicing yesterday. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, what, what we're expecting to see tonight in the game, if you pop by a little later on. Oh, and by the way, before we do it, it's great to see. We've had an awesome turnout. Jet season is back. Always bumps the numbers. If you are new here, well, first of all, if you're with us on YouTube, kindly do us a favor. Hit that thumbs up button. Certainly helps us spread the channel. Uh, and at any point afterwards, if you want to go back and leave a comment, preferably positive on any of the YouTube videos, that's a big help as well. But if you are new, we do this every day. We record, well, we do it live on YouTube at one o'clock, finish up around three so we can get into everyone's podcast feeds on their way home shortly after three o'clock by 3.30. But hit that red subscribe button. Uh, It certainly helps us. And uh, you'll know if you want to turn notifications on, you'll get a little thing on your phone when we're going live. Um, But when you go back to YouTube, you'll have all the Winnipeg Sports Talk videos. It's a great way to support the channel, completely free. So yeah, hit that red subscribe button. And when you do pop on one of the videos, kindly hit that thumbs up. All right, Remo, we got to get to a couple things before we finish up the program. And we may as well get to the cool bad odds because finally, after however many months, we are back at it with NHL action to get to. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. I was on Odd Shark earlier just looking at some comparative numbers uh, across books, many of them not available to us. Seeing the Jets anywhere from minus 140 to minus 160 favorites at most spots, uh, Kubet's got a great line for the Winnipeg Jets. They're only minus 137 favorites. Um, so if you do like Winnipeg, and I have a feeling many of the people listening to our program might want to get in on the Jets on game number one of the season, Kubet's got a great number, minus 137, just about the best number I've seen anywhere for tonight's game, I would imagine that might actually uh, get a little worse, closer to 145 or 150 as we get closer to the game tonight. Uh, so if you do want to bet it, you can do it at CoolBet. If you've never bet at CoolBet before, use the promo code WST. You'll get a 100% bonus up to $200 on your first deposit. Uh, but Remo, it all gets started tonight. Habs and Leafs. And it's going to be crazy. When you think about the playoff series that those two teams had, um, we're going to have no Carey Price, no Shea Weber, uh, no Kakiniemi, no Austin Matthews, potentially no Mitch Marner. Um, I will say this, the broadcasters, you know, for all the excitement about the start of the season, you've got some COVID absences, no Nate McKinnon tonight. Last night was no Malkin and Crosby. And tonight, some of the biggest stars of the last decade for both of these two clubs, not in the lineup tonight, but the Leafs still the big public team and a heavy favorite at minus 185. Yeah, I was um looking I was looking at the DraftKings 
uh, you know, for my line stacking. And I was like, well, what am I going to do? No McKinnon in Colorado. And as you said, no Matthews, possibly no Marner in, um, in Toronto. So I, I opted for the uh, McDavid line in my lineups, but uh, if, I feel like an underdog. I'm kind of on Montreal. I mean, Mon- Toronto's missing some guys. They were never exactly a, a defensively sound team hustler. And what have they done to shore up that defense? Like anything? And what have they done at goalie? So I actually didn't mind Montreal. They got the newly signed Nick Suzuki with the new deal. Cole Caulfield is going to be, you know, they're not holding him out for game one like they did in the playoffs uh, and uh, <laughs> yeah. losing and losing the first game. So uh, I, as if you want an underdog, I actually didn't mind, uh, mind Montreal uh, just based on the fact they're missing all those dudes. Well, it, it'll be interesting. Other games tonight. Uh, there's two early ones. Leafs, Habs, Rangers, and Capitals. That's a tight one. Rangers are, sorry, Caps a very slight home favorite at minus 114. Rangers at minus 105. And then the late games tonight. There's three of them. All of them starting at 9 o'clock our time. Winnipeg, minus 137 favorites. Ducks getting plus 117. The Avalanche, just about a 2-1 to one favorite. Minus 196 uh, the Blackhawks plus 163. That was over 200 earlier today. Uh, people probably going over to the uh, the site, though, and realizing that uh, Nate McKinnon is out on COVID protocol, Remus, and they won't have their number one player. It'll be Nazem Kadri in between Landeskog and Ranton for this game tonight against the Hawks. Yeah, that was interesting uh, for me, too. I'm kind of curious about Chicago this year. Huss. Oh, me too. Um, I want to know, is this going to work? Um, oh, sorry. Is this going to work? I mean, they brought in Seth Jones, Tyler Johnson, Mark Andre Fleury, uh, got rid of Duncan Keith. Uh, Jonathan Taves is back. I, I know a lot of people in Winnipeg, especially, I want to see what he's able to do this season after taking last year off. So I think Chicago really intriguing. I did select Patrick Kane, who I think he's 31 now, but still one of the top scorers in the league. Uh, so, so I'm excited for him and another, you know, they got a young player too in the third line, Kirby doc, uh, what kind of impact can he make this year? And, uh, Alex to as well. So they have a lot of top talent, but can it come together, uh, for Chicago? I still think they finish like outside of, uh, the playoffs in the central, I guess if there's five teams, maybe they could get that fifth spot. I uh, think they will be a borderline yeah. team. I mean, I think yeah. they will be in, in, in on the mix. You know, what? what's interesting, and I mean, you mentioned hockey pools. I was in my uh, hockey pool with the boys last night. Um, there was like 12 of us or 13 of us, and there mm-hmm. was 12 rounds. We're getting down. My, my team stunk. I, I didn't like my early picks, but late, um, it was coming down to the 12th round, and I'm kind of screwing around on daily faceoff. And I realized that going into game one tonight, Tyler Johnson, yes, former Tampa Bay Lightning, is the number one center in between DeBrincat and Kane, and Tyler Johnson is the center in between Taves and Kane, along with DeBrincat and Seth Jones on their first power play unit. This is a guy that was really sort of an afterthought in Tampa, but it has been quite productive. Um, by all accounts, he's going to get an opportunity to play with some of the top dogs in Chicago, and that could be a uh, a low dollar baller both in daily fantasy as well as a late pick in hockey pools. That uh, well, certainly considering I picked him in the last round, I'm hoping makes us all look smart at the end. He's certainly in a great position heading into the season when it comes to scoring. Yeah, I actually went to pick him up in my league, and uh, someone did did I don't know if they drafted him or what, or they just picked him up. Uh, so I can't get I can't get him. Uh, it was a, wait, someone just picked him up yesterday. But um, yeah, I think you know when you're talking about fantasy, 
it's more of an opportunity than skill when you're looking for this and you want to get a guy who's going to be playing power play minutes playing with skilled players playing on a top line and yeah Tyler Johnson you know didn't go great for him the last couple of years in Tampa but I mean if you're playing beside Patrick Kane and Alex Dabrinkat and playing power play one um, a guy who has had success before that is a guy I would look to take I don't know what his salary is on DraftKings tonight I kind of was looking more in the Colorado direction but that's I mean that's definitely someone to look forward to or look yeah at. no doubt uh, and, and of course I mean we can't talk about the uh, Blackhawks without talking about the return of the Jonathan Taves and it looks like Taves is going to be on a number two line with Kubalik and Filikurashev. Obviously, that can change. I mean, that's a game one lineup. And, you know, all our hopes for Tyler Johnson in the top line. He could be on the third line by the second period today. So who knows? But bottom line is certainly for Winnipeg uh, natives um, that have watched Jonathan Taves' incredible career. Um, was concerning that he missed was missed last year. Whatever he was going through, you sort of, you know, mentioned some of the things off the ice that um, kept him off the ice. Um, the NHL is better with Jonathan Taves in it. And certainly the Blackhawks are in it. And you know, Reem is part of the reason why I think, I mean, they made some interesting off season additions. You know, they got Seth Jones. You can debate how much he's making, what they gave up for him. They got Mark Andre Fleury for nothing, which is a big, big boost in goal considering what they'd had for the last couple of years. But to get Jonathan Taves and Kirby Doc back in the middle, I mean, those are two legit top nine centers. And I think you probably could say both of them top six. I mean, Kirby Doc had a great rookie season, was out last year for injury. So um, as much as they did some splashy things in the offseason, the biggest additions to the Blackhawks lineup could very well be K- uh, Taves and Doc in the middle. Yeah, I, I agree with you. So uh, as far as, you know, Central is one team... I didn't realize Huss, um, who I think is actually going to be pretty good, um, who was at Dallas. I think, you know, we're kind of, I'm kind of looking at the Central, and I'm like Minnesota, St. Louis. But I think we're kind of overlooking Dallas, you know, who went to the Cup Final. Tyler Sagan's back. But uh, I, I did not realize, maybe because we didn't see the muster, how good um, Rupe Hintz is. Oh, Rupe Hintz is a stud. Yeah. I did not. I you know, he kind of goes under the radar. We only saw the Canadian teams last year, but this guy put up numbers last year. Uh, Jason Robertson as well. I don't know. Dallas could be solid. They got uh, Heiskanen, Lindell, Ryan Suter, Klingberg. They got a s- solid, uh, solid squad here. Um, this Dallas. Yeah, they do. Uh, Braden Holpe and Hudobin and Nett goaltending a big, big question for them right now. Although Jake Ottinger might be the guy that plays more than either of the guys that are listed right now as the top two is sort of the goaltender of the future. And yeah, I think the addition of Ryan Suter is great. Problem with Dallas, in my opinion, is, I mean, you can get more out of Rupi Hints and Robertson can turn into a great player. But when they have so much money invested in Ben, in Tyler Seguin, um, Radulov, I mean, those guys, they need more from those players. Um, and, you know, it goes back to, you know, the, what was it, the owner that called them out a couple of years ago. I mean, it's been up and down since they committed to these guys. So they did have that great playoff run a couple of years ago, but right now there's a lot of work to be done. And it's a very, very difficult division, a tough neighborhood in the NHL, the central division. So uh, I'm, you know, all of these games are going to be great. We're going to, I'm, as much as I love the Canadian division, and I did think that maybe they would try to have more Canadian games within teams, uh, I can't wait to get back for the Nashville game and game number two of the season to see when Dallas comes here. And many of those teams that we Jets used to play a lot that we haven't seen for a while to get back into the, uh, the new Canada Life Arena or Canada Life Center. 
whatever it's called, and uh, get back to some head-to-head divisional matchups in the Central Division. Mm-hmm. Last game tonight that we haven't touched on, Pacific Division battle, one anthem game, the Vancouver Canucks and the Edmonton Oilers. And listen, I think Edmonton certainly, you know, with the additions they have up front with Zach Hyman, I think Warren Fogel is going to be a great addition. I mean, their top end of the forward group is as good as there is in the National Hockey League. Still very much up in the air as to what their defense is, especially after losing Adam Larson. What are they going to get from Duncan Keith? Um, but while and this is a great thing to be talking about, we you know mention oh, what's going to happen with the backup goaltender here in Winnipeg because you know you got Connor Hellebuck going 65 plus in the net. Uh, with all of that talent, I still have no trust whatsoever in the tandem of Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen. And, you know, we're going to see how much Connor McDavid and Dreisaitl and those guys are going to need to score to win games this year because um, credit to Mike Smith for grabbing that number one job year last season and, and you know, I think taking advantage of circumstances and getting a two-year deal. But I'm far from convinced that he's going to be a guy that can play 50, 55, 60 games and deliver legit, solid, number one level goaltending for the Edmonton Oilers. And that's going to be something I think we'll be following as soon as the puck drops tonight, to be honest. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Edmonton, you know, top end, I mean, best in the league with McDavid and Dreisaitl. And I know your friend Dusty is getting on uh, Pugliarvi coming up. But um, I don't, you know, the defense, I think a lot of question marks there, goaltending as well. I'm in my fantasy draft the other day, Mike Smith went for pretty cheap and I just, I couldn't pull, I couldn't pull the trigger uh, on him. I know he looked great in the playoffs against the Jets, but um, I'm just, yeah, I'm not sold in their backup, but Koskinen uh, questionable as well. So uh, (laughs) what's going on? I got to give a shout out to Frosty Winnipeg. Who just put? I believe Nashville will raise a first game of the season banner tomorrow. <laughs> the the banner jokes when it comes to the Preds never never get old. Uh, waiters, you know, wades in. Uh, that should be very emotional. The first game of the season. Although it all, you know, jokes aside, though, it is going to be. I think some emotional for some people to get back. I mean, I know. I think about my return to the Bombers. I mean, the opening game when they raised the Grey Cup banner, and that really was the biggest event at, at its time in Canada. Um, and obviously, we were sort of the, the first people to go through the, the proof of vaccination and all that, which went very smoothly. But it was just being able to get back into a facility with friends, fans, people that we hadn't seen in months, sometimes you know over a year. Um, it was sort of like that for the preseason, but it was still the preseason. It was almost like a dress rehearsal. Um, I got to tell you, Remo, I think the atmosphere for the Winnipeg Jets, their fans next Thursday when the team opens up the home portion of the schedule after being out of the building, uh, fans that for, for say, for so long um, will be one of the more memorable games we've had in uh, the 10 plus years now. Winnipeg Jets hockey back as part of 2.0. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think, you know, we already had the preseason games, but. You could tell, you know, the when we were there, the atmosphere, people were excited, but it wasn't like, you knew it wasn't regular season hockey. So I think the first regular season game might be like that game. Uh, yeah, 10, not, not like 10, one, 10 years ago, nothing like that. But still very exciting that the NHL is back for regular season games with fans in the arena here here in Winnipeg. So what did we got like t- a week? Is it next Thursday? Is that is that the game? Yeah. 24. 20- 21st, I believe. Week tomorrow. 
a week tomorrow. So count the countdown is on. I'm looking forward, and we'll get to see the Ducks again. Do you want to take a look at this uh, Ducks lineup? Yeah. If you forgot who was on it, here let me. Let's uh, fire it up. Well, there's some new. There's a number of new players, and I mean, you looking right up at the front. Uh, you know, at Ryan Getzlaff is back, and for the first time in forever. Ryan Getzlaff is not the number one center for the Anaheim Ducks. And you want to talk about a passing of the baton or a changing of the guard? Uh, I think we're going to see it right in front of our eyes tonight when Trevor Zegras comes out and takes the first faceoff in all likelihood for the for the, uh, for the Ducks. Zegras is in the center position. He, of course, had that amazing World Juniors last year for Team USA, played in the American Hockey League, and is now ready to go as a um, legit top six forward in the NHL with very, very high hopes. One of the favorites to win the Calder Trophy. He's with Adam Henrique and um, Ricard Raquel on that top line. And then you've got Ryan Getzlaff in between Maxime Contois and Troy Terry. Um, Isaac Lennestrom, Jacob Silverberg. Silverberg has been a regular for the Ducks for a number of years. But here's interesting remote. Mason McTavish, the third overall pick in the draft from this year. Looks like he's made the club. Uh, he's going to be 18 years and I think 256 days I was looking at. Uh, wasn't too sure as to how many of the class of 2021 would get an opportunity to crack a lineup, but it certainly seems like he will make their NHL. He will make his NHL debut tonight. Uh, Benoit Olivier Grew, Max Jones, and Derek Grant on the fourth line. And then a defense pairing. This is interesting. Hampus Lindholm, who I'm a big, big fan of, he will be the rock for the Ducks on the blue line. But he's going to be playing, speaking of Calder Trophy candidates, with former World Junior star for Canada, Jamie Drysdale. So Zegras and Drysdale, the two real key rookies, and we'll see if Mason McTavish can stick around with the club and make it three. Um, Cam Fowler and Josh Manson, and then Kevin Shattenkirk still cashing a paycheck along with Greg Patteron. But really, Remo, when we go into this game tonight, um, when we're talking about the Ducks, I mean, really, you have to start with John Gibson in net, uh, one of the top goaltenders who's seen as much rubber as anyone over the last few years. But the story for Anaheim going into this season is about the changing of the guard. It's about Zegers. It's about Drysdale and Mason McTavish in this opening day lineup and see how far they can come this year because not a lot of people expecting them to be a playoff team. But I do think that, Part of the reason why big deals weren't made is they didn't want to move off those young players who they really feel are going to be pillars of their team going into the future. Yeah, it seems like this Ducks rebuild's been taking a while, but I think Drysdale's a player you can get excited about. Trevor Zegras, I mean, these are the players uh, in your fantasy draft, uh, and you're taking a stab at the end. So I know they've had success in San Diego, and they're trying to transfer that some of that to the NHL. I'm kind of surprised to get slaps like stuck around, but like, why wouldn't you want to stick around and, you know, live at the beach and play hockey in Anaheim? I mean, he's done everything there is to do. Maybe he likes being the older guy, you know, you have loyalty to the organization. We'll see how, how it looks tonight with gets uh, and the kids. I mean, yeah, gets you know, he made his money. He won the cup. Um, yeah. uh, there'd be a lot of teams that I think, and who knows, depending on what happened, I, I don't see, but I think he just signed a one-year deal, if I'm not mistaken, to come back. So, you know, you look at what the situation is a little later on in and around the deadline. And if there's a taker for Ryan Getzlaff and it makes sense for the ducks to do it and he's in on it. I mean, I could see him doing a playoff run with another team, but he has been the heart and soul of the Anaheim Ducks for the better part of 10 years right now. And um, I think they did well on themselves to get him back mm-hmm. into the lineup, especially as they're looking at this somewhat changing of the guard from 
the uh, the Perry gets laugh, you know, dynasty days, if you will. Not that it really was a dynasty, but they were one of the top teams for a number of years and got to the top of the mountain. Um, they're far, far away from that as we embark on the 2021 season going into tonight. Yes, yeah, sir. I'm trying to keep up with uh, with the chat here. And uh, yeah, I was like, he's got a contract. You know, one other player, sorry, you talk about Getzlaff, who's older, doesn't have a contract, Eric Stahl, and he was traded to Montreal. I wonder what happens with him, but we are staying on the Ducks. I was looking um, at a couple of props uh, for tonight's game. I w- I'm more of a prop fantasy guy than, um, than what is it? Uh, you know, just straight up betting on winners. Someone that can actually pick a game correctly. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, man, what about Dubois over one and a half shots on goal? I thought that one was was interesting for the Jets. But this here's one. If you want this one, Huss, you think Cole Perfetti can score his first goal of his career tonight? Plus three eighty. (laughs) So, I mean, if you want to do that for fun. I think uh, it's available. Might have to to throw a 10 on that. Yeah, here we go. Let's may as well do the will score, will not score numbers. Yeah. Uh, So uh, Kyle Connor plus 130. uh, Maxime Contois and Nikolai Ehlers plus 220. Wheeler plus 250. Kopp, Stastny, Adam Henrique, Ricard Raquel, three to one. Trevor Zegras plus 330. Dubois plus 350. And Cole Perfetti, as you mentioned, plus 380. There's Adam Lowry at 4-1, to one, who might benefit from maybe gets a setup from Cole Perfetti. Um, all those numbers are there. And what about player points? Uh, Kyle Connor, minus 182. Ehlers, minus 147. That might be the yeah, safest money the on one. the board, I have a feeling. Um, and what's interesting is Pierre-Luc Dubois, I mean, his numbers are quite low. And I get people are probably on a wait and see from Dubois, considering the season that he had last year. I think I'm going to be in on Dubois early on the season, Remus, because playing with Nikolai Ehlers, uh, both on their line and the power play, you'd think that there will be some opportunities. And I think this is exactly what the Winnipeg Jets need to get Pierre-Luc Dubois back rolling, what they thought they were getting when they traded him for Patrick Laine and Jack Rosovic. Um, So I, I'm maybe this is the optimistic side of me, but certainly hoping for a great start for Pierre-Luc Dubois. Uh, he couldn't be paired with a better player if he wanted to get off to a hard start than Nikolai Ehlers, especially with the top line presumably taking up some of the tougher matchups on the road. I actually agree with you. On the road, I usually like to go with uh, line two on DraftKings. I know Dubois was, what, 4,200 playing with Ehlers, so I liked him on DraftKings, and I would say plus 110 for Dubois to score I mean, playing with the Ehlers, getting power play time, uh, you know, favorable opponent. I think the team total I saw for the Jets was three tonight. So, yeah, Dubois plus 110, I think it gives you, like, exposure. If you think Ehlers is going to score, well, who's going to get points? Or you think Ehlers is going to get a point, who's going to score the goal? And it would be du- his line mates, Dubois and Kopp. So, I actually, like, I think Dubois plus 10 is, is decent Val. I mean, Andrew Kopp is more favored to get a point than Dubois, which... If you, according to our chat, would make no sense because uh, <laughs> Rob Mahoney says Cop uh, is not going to score because he can't hit the net. So uh, I, I, I me, he did have four goals in a game last year, Rob. I think he had 15 goals on the year, but can't hit the net. Uh, can't hit the net. Huh? And we did get into Cop. We did talk a lot about Cop uh, yesterday. We did have a nice tweet thread. And my mentions from uh, Maddie Lang, who always Oh, listens. yes, Matt. You know, that was well thought out. That was well thought out. And um, 
Yeah. You know, yeah. If you missed the cop conversation yesterday, definitely get back to yesterday's program. Um, we had, um, who were we talking about? Hamill. Well, you and I talked about it. Yeah. And, I, and, and I'm not saying, I didn't disagree. Here, I'll read his, his comments because we got into it yesterday. And he said, here's my issue with cop. He's a pretty good player who's pretty valuable to the team. The problem is that if you're going to line up a Stanley Cup winning roster, uh, he's a very third liner. Oh, I got a visitor here. Should I bring him on? Oh, yeah. Is Evan coming in to make some picks? Yeah, he's coming to make picks. Hi, Look Evan. at this. The Winnipeg Sports Talk debut of the next one. <laughs> Big Ev. No daycare today, huh, bud? No, he wasn't feeling well, so he just sneezed all over my uh, my microphone. Evan, who do you, are the Jets going to win today? He likes playing with the mouse. This is yeah. bring your kid to work day. Bring your kid to work Evan, day. Evan, do you want to say hi to everyone? Can you wave hi? Yeah, give a wave, Evan. Oh, Hi there. I don't, don't want to interrupt the whole show talking about <laughs> Andrew Cup, but here I'll bring it. I'll bring it back. <laughs> oh, he's typing on the keyboard. Uh oh, we're gonna start going offline here. I'll t- yeah, Evan, the, time the, to go. Thanks the for stopping. WST, the WST audio gremlin has a mole inside yeah. inside the TSN studio. <laughs> want to wave goodbye, everyone? <laughs> he says bye. Bye, go, Ev. Bye. Go back with mommy. Everyone, yeah. everyone is loving. Everyone's loving Evan's appearance on the program. I still, I, I still think that we may need to uh, get Evan to do maybe some know. NFL picks or something like that. We'll take the colors and he can pick them, and we'll do a ticket every week on uh, on that. Uh, but uh, it's looking good. We need to get. I, I'm going to get Evan. Uh, we probably has some jet stuff already. Next time, maybe a yeah. game day visit. We'll get a little jersey on oh. or something like that. Speaking of which, I want to give a shout-out to Owen. I know this was uh, far earlier on the program today, uh, but Evan, fi- or Owen, fired up about Cole Perfetti's debut, said he just got picked up a custom-done blue Heritage Perfetti jersey over at Royal Sports. Uh, nowhere better to get those done than Royal. Incredible selection, great service. So, uh, yeah, if you want a Perfetti or a Nate Schmidt or a Brendan Dillon or a new Nikolai Ehlers. They're all there over at Royal Sports over at 750 Pembina Highway. That's right, Nicole J. Kids and dogs, always a hit. Um, you know, you can dominate the internet. You can dominate <laughs> Instagram with kids and dogs, and uh, we are doing that. That was great to see uh, Evan here. He's fired up for the game. Will, yeah. he make it, will he make it up past 9 o'clock for puck drop tonight, Reem? No, no, he he goes to bed. At, <laughs> he goes to bed at seven, and I I want to keep it that way as long as possible, so I can actually watch the game. If he was up, I don't think I'd get to watch it. Sandy and G, can Evan kick a football at no. Winnipeg Sports Talk? Is that where we're at right now? We're literally going everywhere for a replacement for Ali Murdada and the Bombers kicking roads. We might be in a little while. We might be able to get that done. Anyways, that was a lot of fun. If you're uh, wondering what we're talking about on the podcast, uh, we did have a little cameo from uh, little Remus Jr. Yeah. popping in for uh, what I believe might be the first or second time on the program. So anyways, that was awesome. Um, I know a lot of people are wondering about this John Gruden situation and wanted us to get into it. It was all the excitement about the Jets and stuff. I'm not going to spend too much time on it today. Uh, obviously, he was gone. I mean, the minute all that stuff started coming out, um, he was done uh, and should be. What is interesting about this is how this was coming out. Who is leaking it? Why were they going specifically for John Gruden? Uh, Because as far as we know, in the thousands and thousands and thousands of emails, these are the only ones that have been leaked. Um, 
Lee Hacksaw Hamilton is going to join us on Friday afternoon. Uh, we'll have tons of Bomber and Jets talk for about the first hour and a half of the program. But for you NFL wonks like myself, we will do a big NFL segment on Friday's program with Hacksaw. We'll get his thoughts and the latest on the John Gruden situation, as well as all the news from the league heading into the weekend. Um, and I'm sure we'll talk about the Thursday nighter a little bit tomorrow, Reem, but uh Tell you what, I uh, the wait is over. I'm so fired up. We've been talking about it for months. We felt the excitement from Winnipeg fans here on the program. Now it's time to see what Paul Maurice's squad is up for when they drop the puck against the Anaheim Ducks tonight. And uh, it'll be interesting to see. I think Kevin Sheveldayoff done a great job. Ted Wyman mentioned a lot of pressure on Paul Maurice to get the most out of this roster, uh, as well as a number of players given you know new opportunities this year. Uh, but for Cole Perfetti, it's his first ever opportunity. And uh, he, in a lot of ways, will be the story of the game tonight. And then, of course, for game two, the Jets get a bit of a nice addition to the lineup in terms of their number one center, 55 Mark Shifley, who's going to be in the press box tonight. Yeah, last game, you know, sorry, last night was fun. I mean, it was the kickoff of the season. We saw the new fancy broadcast for uh, ESPN and TNT in the U.S. But tonight, I mean, it's real Jets hockey. I'm going to be watching. It's a late one, 9 o'clock. The best part is, Hustler, that I can actually uh, invite people over and have a gathering yes, in my gatherings. household. You mean I can have a gathering in my house to watch this game? Uh, unlike when in the playoffs when I think I was watching solo or whenever, whenever it was uh, during the season. So, uh, yes, another great, great part of uh, having hockey back. Reason to get together and watch the games with, uh, with other people. So uh, it's going to be it's going to be great. Hey, look at this. I'm going to give a little shout out to last one left because uh, he's in uh, with Goat or he or she is in with Go Ducks Go and you guys are going down tonight. It has been months since we've had fans of visiting teams coming into WST and shit talking Jet fans. And I'm here for it. But guess what? The Jets are going to be here for it tonight, too. Um, It should be great. And everyone's welcome here. Just keep it fun. Keep it uh, polite if you can, uh, but certainly rep your teams if you want. And last one left, we had many of the Habs fans stick around on a regular basis after the playoffs last year. So if you want to talk hockey, obviously with a bit of a Winnipeg slant, we're here every day. Uh, I guess 11 o'clock on the West Coast, 1 o'clock Central Time here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Remo, you got anything else before we uh, get ready for this game? I have a smile on my face being chirped by fans of the opposing team. (laughs) Yes, me too. We we haven't had that since... (laughs) since the Habs because the Jets haven't played and uh, we can have our you know opposing fan power pull but like Habs fans easily the worst and there's like it's like the Bombers in the CFL power rankings everyone else like the Habs during the playoffs I've never seen anything like it the hatred for Mark Shifley well was off was something else that I'll never forget that day after uh, the, the day after uh you know he laid the hit on Evans and we did the show so uh Doc we had one Ducks fan here uh, saying Jets suck and giving us yeah, a thumbs shout down. Shout out to last one left. Yeah. Uh, you know, the test is whether they come back. And that's why it, I always think when we think about the Habs fans, I mean, there was the 20,000 that were in going crazy the day after the Shifley suspension. That was an all-time day on Winnipeg Sports Talk. But remember Samuel? 
Samuel yes. the Habs fan. He yes. was in literally every day for the next couple months. I'm not sure if Sam's around today, but uh, anyways, always welcome. It's a lot of fun. We've got a great chat here live on the YouTube. Um, so just, you know, play nice with everybody. Have fun. Rep your team. Do what you want to do. Just don't be an asshole. You're getting thrown over the top rope by one CTO, Michael Remus. All right, everyone. Cannot wait for this game tonight. It's been a great show. Thanks to Dave Pagnotta for joining us. Thanks to Ted Wyman. Thanks to Michael Remus. And, of course, little Evan for his uh, cameo on the program at the end. Um, and a huge thanks to all of our sponsors. Culligan Water, don't forget that special for the $9.99 home equipment for three months goes up until Friday. You can give them a call over at 694-5180. Uh, our friends over at Manitoba Battery getting you powered up for the winter. ManitobaBattery.com. Royal Sports, you can be like Owen. You need a Perfetti jersey, pop on over to Royal. They'll get you set up for tonight's game and the upcoming season. Our friends at Princess Auto, and thanks again to Ted Wyman for coming on and even getting in a little curling talk on his visit after we got to the Jets and Bombers. Princess Auto, of course, great sponsors of curling here in Manitoba and across the country. Uh, it's the cold, great taste of the 1919 and Little Brown Jug. Boston Pizza, great spot to go for the game tonight. Our friends at Not Autocorp at Waverly and McGilvery, the great taste of Canadian Club, Bombers, and Winnipeg Sports Talk official whiskey. And of course, Nick and Nikki and the Nick and Nikki DQ group with DQs at Northgate, Niverville, Polo Park, and St. Anne's. And uh, cool bets open. Still got a little bit of time to get those picks in and bets in before the game tonight. Find it all over at coolbet.com. And if you haven't played there before, you can always use the promo code WST for a 100% deposit. And we had a great crowd today. Everyone would love to get up to 200 likes. We're 11 away right now. Almost 300 people still in the chat. So if you haven't already, do us a favor, hit that thumbs up. And if you're not subscribed, hit that red button and join us daily on YouTube at one o'clock here on Winnipeg Sports Talk and shout out to all the podcast listeners. Oh, by the way, check our Instagram feed at Sports Talk WPG. I wanted to do something so the podcast people can get into. We'll put together a little prize. Uh, we need to know who the who will score the first goal of the Jets season tonight. So go to our Instagram. We'll put that up shortly. And uh, for all, whoever is correct, just guess one uh, once per account. We'll uh, do a little draw if there's a number of people that have guessed the same player. And uh, I'll put together a little care package. Maybe get one of those Winnipeg Sports Talk t-shirts with Canadian Club, a few other goodies, and we'll announce the winner tomorrow on the program. So uh, we'll put the, we'll get the pods up and then get a post up. So head on over if you're not following already at Sports Talk WPG on all the socials. But we'll do this on Instagram today. First goal score of the year, and we'll announce a prize winner tomorrow on the program. Folks, thanks again for being with us. Enjoy the game tonight, and we'll talk to you tomorrow to break it all down on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily, live on YouTube at 1 and just after 3 in your podcast feed. Have a great night. Oh, my God. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.